0: from my uh, desktop in our media center because it was also it had like a 60 gig solid state drive that was or 64 or something that was packed full and yeah. uh, so now that's got a bunch of breathing room and now my desktop has a 250 gig solid state drive so plenty nice. of room to grow nice but that that sounds like sufficiently fucking nerdy preamble for our yeah, episode for sure. so Uh, with that uh, welcome back everybody to dance robot dance episode what number am i thinking 69 69, dudes (laughs) yes this is our 69th episode and it's just mark and i christy is uh is uh missing out um she's acting in uh shakespeare and julius caesar this week so uh, if anybody's local maybe go see that i don't know if local to hamilton i guess i think it's
1: hamilton she's got a she's got a shit ton of shows coming up the next little while i just got a a, another uh notification i think it's her improv troops doing something like next week too so yeah yeah if you're if you're local uh and you see an understudies poster go go figure out where that show is and go see it because i'm sure she'd appreciate it (laughs) yeah absolutely so this week uh as you can tell by this point
0: uh i'm tim i will be hosting this episode and uh with us we also have mark how's it going guys (sighs) it's been a week um, yeah, tell me about it. And a day, and uh, but anyways, we should probably move on because we got a shitload of news to cover this week, folks. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fuck of a week. So the Nerdosphere has been blowing the fuck up in in a continuation of things blowing up uh, from the last maybe month or so. At this point, uh, we had another sort of announcement of some. Uh, sexual abuse allegations, this time against Louis C.K. Yeah. At this point, he's basically come out and admitted that they were all true. And I, I don't want to go too much into this because, I mean, it's an ongoing thing, obviously. And it's something that I don't think we should really address without our sole female voice present. Agreed. <laughs> so once Christie's back, I think we'll maybe go into this a little bit more in depth. But uh, I don't know. The Louis C.K. one hit me pretty hard because he's a guy that I, I don't know if I'd say admire, but definitely appreciate. More than a lot of the others that have have gone under this hammer kind of thing that have uh, come yeah. to light
1: lately. So yeah, him and him and Kevin Spacey, I, I definitely was like, oh shit, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty intense. I guess I'd kind of heard. There's always rumors floating around about Kevin Spacey being kind of, mm-hmm. well, maybe not, nothing about the like the sexual abuse stuff, but just like he's kind of a dick kind of thing. Yeah, always came up here and there, but um, the Louis C.K. one. See, that's one of those things where like just based on his personality i was kind of like yeah i can see it you know what i mean like plus i mean like he's made part of his living has been made on the
0: fact that he openly acknowledges that he's a fucking like dirty pervert kind of thing
2: that he's into weird shit
0: and stuff like that and makes no bones about it It just this is now coming to light that some of it was maybe not entirely consensual or that he you know or at least that there was like abuse of power kind of thing so Mm -hmm. but anyways like I said, we'll we'll get more into that uh,
1: later on because we got enough to cover this week without that. Yeah, we're gonna to have to figure out if we're gonna do an episode on that or how we're gonna to want to tackle that. Yeah. that's gonna be a that's gonna be an interesting conversation <laughs> it's to going have. To be a very special
0: episode of uh, yeah. an after school special Dance.
1: of Dance Robot Dance. That may be the that may be the episode that I voluntarily miss. Finally, <laughs> like that'll be the one that I'm just like I don't think I want to be involved in this conversation because <laughs> no, no, no matter what I say, I feel like I'm. Well, not even that. It's just like, I feel like no matter what I say, like, what does my opinion matter? Yeah. Like a straight white male. You know what I mean? Like I have no nothing but this, that privilege on my side for the most part, even though I'm not like, I'm not a fucking famous actor or anything (laughs) like that, but I still, you know what I mean? Like nothing that I say actually fucking matters in that conversation. Yeah, exactly. This is one of those
0: situations where guys like us just need to mostly sit back and listen and maybe interject if we have like questions or clarifications kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, I think it would be a good episode actually to get Paul and Christy on. That would be. Yeah. I mean, Paul was supposed to be on tonight, but fucko decided that you know uh, I got things to do, I guess, and go God, on social media. Damn it, it so, Paul! If you ever, have, yeah, uh, he listens regularly, but he listens fairly regularly. Yeah. yeah,
0: when you listen to this, fuck you, Paul! You were supposed to be on yep. with uh, us tonight, and you bailed. And you bitched it. You yep. just went. Paul went AWOL. Uh, So he doesn't get to help us cover all this uh, fun news that is definitely the purview of nerdy white males. Uh, For instance, (laughs) uh, a couple, well, fucking all sorts of Disney stuff coming out. Um, I think mostly out of like a shareholders meeting or something like that. But uh, some of the big ones, a couple big Star Wars bits of news. I mean, we'd already known that there's a bunch more Star Wars movies in the works, but for all we knew, they were just going to be like more numbered episodes that are just continuing the current saga or standalone sort of anthology movies. But now we know that Rian Johnson, who is the director for last Jedi is uh,
1: developing a a trilogy of new star Wars movies. And the, the big point that he made too, was that it's not going to be anything that Skywalker undisclosed
0: undisclosed time period, apparently a sort of different corner of the star Wars universe, whether that's like, in space or in time or both or whatever uh it's all kind of vague at this point but uh yeah so it seems like we're i mean all the other stories we've had so far are at least are are at least directly connected to that storyline so it'll be interesting to see uh if the star wars universe is still interesting when you're not looking at it through the lens of a skywalker or something to that effect (laughs) We've gotten 15 minutes into the news. We now have a Paul. A wild Paul has appeared. Now that we have Hello. Begun, we have roundly uh, chastised him for, for fucking ghosting on us. You know, Sleeping in. <laughs> yeah.
2: I sincerely apologize for that. It was a uh, technical difficulty based on my desire to disengage from social media, which <laughs> was for my own mental health, but so what? <laughs> yeah because Paul didn't want the
0: internet gotcha. and Facebook reminding him of the fantastic things that happened approximately 1 year uh, ago.
2: Just, yeah, no thank you. No thanks.
0: <laughs> and it's not like you're neighboring a country that is currently under a threat of fire and fury by President fuckstick face.
1: <laughs> I it, All right, I miss John Stewart. I'm going to say it yeah. again. I still miss John Stewart. <laughs> so
2: and uh,
1: fuckstick von clownface, that was still like <laughs> the best goddamn ever.
2: <laughs> yeah, President fuckstick von clownface was recently in South Korea, oh, and yeah, uh, he was. Yeah, and there was a lot of overhead helicopter activity throughout the week, which like my anxiety levels were just peaking. Like this is, yeah, I can imagine. This is at the same time I'm in a really stressful year. Uh, part of the year for teaching, so everything was just everything is the worst. Was, no, thank you. I'm just disengaging. We're like scraps of well done steak,
0: like soaked in ketchup, like falling from the skies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think they KFC were using that. bones and shit. <laughs> they were using that to lure him back <laughs> to Air Force One. Actually, <laughs> lure him to the demilitarized
0: zone, which he never actually yeah. went to, although it was it, supposed to apparently. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we were just talking about uh Rian Johnson's uh
2: future Star Wars trilogy. Oh yeah, I was uh I I'm withholding judgment on that news because I haven't seen the Last Jedi yet. I think yeah. I think that's a uh, pretty safe bet because like I have yeah. a lot of faith in the production team for Star Wars. After firing Colin Trevorrow, I was like, yes yes like so happy jurassic world i hated that movie so much for so many reasons so the fact that um if the last jedi is good i'll be excited if the last Jedi is not then i'm very worried for star wars movie future well i mean if the last
0: jedi performs well financially they'll probably keep it with them if the last jedi fucking tanks it won't tank but if it if it somehow miraculously Tank. fucking so tanks, away, uh, even if it's critically panned, as long as it makes good money, I feel like they'll probably still leave it in his hands.
2: Yeah, but they they you know episodes yeah. one through three made bank, so <laughs> like you could be handing it over yeah. to a monster. Yeah, diminishing though. Yeah, I we'll have we'll have that discussion someday when I
0: finally end up being the sole. I won't say Apollo. Cool. the sole moderate prequel apologist i'm not a massive fan of the prequels but
1: anyway (laughs) i still feel like we need to get we gotta get eric to guest on at least one that one episode because i feel like he'd be there for that because uh i feel like eric is probably also in
0: that boat like there are probably some stuff in the prequels that eric would rather have exist than not
1: i there's parts of the prequels that i i think in concept work nicely yeah um i think in execution is where there's massive failure on that account so Fair. But that's we have
0: enough to talk about today without going yeah, down yeah. that route. So, yeah, uh, the other on that rabbit hole, yeah, the other major Star Wars announcement is uh, one that's been rumored for years and years and years and uh, is apparently now finally coming to be is that uh, Disney is developing a live action Star Wars TV series as well that will be exclusive to the new Disney streaming service.
1: Hmm. I think they just heard our episode 50 and stole your idea, Tim.
0: I, yeah, it's going to be, is it going to be called, uh, what did I call it, like uh, Chronicles Radio. of the Force or something like that? Yeah, we'll it, see. It, it doesn't sound like an anth, well, they haven't mentioned much about it yet besides just mm-hmm. exac- exactly what I just said. If it ends up being an anthology series, then I might be suing Disney. We'll see. That would be awesome. <laughs>
1: it's all, it's all time stamped, man. Like all mm-hmm. that episode came out. It's been there. So yeah, it's all up there. Feel that. If they yeah. steal that from you and like a hundred thousand other nerds who've had the same idea, yeah,
0: it'll be a class action suit.
2: Yeah, just be a class action.
0: All the nerds that thought you should yeah. do it. Did you time imagine time the size of
2: the group on that class yeah. action suit? Like yeah. one million <laughs> death, uh, <laughs> prosecution <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Everybody gets sixty-three cents. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean,
0: I, I'm down for that. I've been wanting a Star Wars series, a uh, live action series, ever since I like first heard them talking about doing it, which is like fucking. I mean, back in the prequel ages at this point, yeah. um, they've, this yeah. has been rumored, and uh, there have been ones that have been like, oh yeah, there's something coming and something coming, and then like it ended up being Clone Wars, and then there's something coming, there's something coming, and then it ended up being Rebels, uh, you know, which are all animated. So what? Uh, I mean, I think this is the right time to do it, like with shit like Star Trek Discovery coming out uh, again also on like a streaming service like the production quality on that is so high yeah, that I feel like yeah. they can do
1: this justice. I was just going to say like um like I feel like TV effects have gotten to the point and Star Trek Discovery being I think at least at the very least is a high watermark for TV special effects at this point. Like it's so fucking well done like for that kind of like sci-fi. I was like they could probably do a Star Wars show now if they're Because they're dumping, like, a ton of money into Star Trek to make it look good, and the amount of money that Disney will dump into Star Wars to make sure it looks good. Especially because both those franchises
0: have such an international appeal, is Mm -hmm. where they, like, you know, they couldn't necessarily do that with something like maybe, I don't really know what the international appeal of Battlestar Galactica was. I don't know if it was as popular globally as something like Star Wars or Star Trek tend to be Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah.
2: So, you know, they can
0: get away with spending a lot more money on this because there's a lot
2: more international market mm-hmm. on it. One yeah. of the things that I'll credit the like the prequel trilogy for is that I could see that style of, you know, political intrigue in those movies playing better on the small screen and I don't know if I Well, I, yeah, I, like in humans? Well, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> if I need a season long trade dispute no, arc though. You no. Know what I mean? <laughs>
2: <laughs> really racist Asian alien. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that that's what I'm looking for, but like, I like ha- having having that being like the, the front for like, more of the adventure stuff that happens in the background, like that's, yeah. a, and one of the weird things about Star Wars, like, I think that it's weird to see it as a TV series, um and I haven't watched the animated series so I'm, I i'm probably not the best to judge this but like the the original four five and six they they don't they scream movie event to me like they are actiony they're fun they're they belong in like a two-hour movie and i don't see like a sprawling like 13 episode arc for something like that but i do see something more for like the yeah the prequel trilogies because of the way that the story is structured.
1: I think the structure of the Jedi, like the Jedi order and stuff like that would lend itself to an episodic mm-hmm. TV show too. Like that's something that yeah. we'll probably dive into for now, that. Like, now
0: you're stealing my fucking, my, my pitch from episode 50 Mark. <laughs> well, but that's exactly I agree like, with you. Yeah. Th- that, that was exactly my point. Like, right. Like there are so many stories in the star Wars universe that could either, either don't justify a two hour movie and could maybe be told in a single like TV episode. Or require more than a two or three hour movie to actually be properly serviced in this TV. I, I mean, we, again, we have no idea what this uh, series is going to be, but it's definitely the
1: media where they could yeah. do those sorts of stories justice. They're gonna, they're gonna, end up, they're all, they'll end up doing Anakin training in the fucking <sighs> Jedi Academy or some bullshit like that in live action, just to uh, <laughs> aggravate I, everybody.
0: Uh, high School Musical at, at the Jedi
1: Academy. <laughs> At the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll be it'll be Glee with Jedi's. That's that,
0: that's. Oh fun. God, we had some fun. We we had a lot of. Uh, I'll say this: we had a lot of good activity on our Facebook page this past week. Um, in part because yeah. we were posting these articles up there. We also had people saying that uh, Michael Bay should direct like remakes of Battle for Endor, <laughs> the fucking Ewok movies <laughs> and shit like that. And then and then fucking Spears chiming in and say that Shia LaBeouf should play all the Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need this troll. We don't need this troll content on our page, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna start banning motherfuckers. I think
1: pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna break out
0: the ban hammer pretty soon, guys. So yeah, T- tone your yeah. shit down. No, we love it. Yeah. We love we love this sort yeah. of shit happening.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know anything else on the the Disney TV series before we get into more fucking yeah. Disney news. Nope, keep going. Yeah. Well, the other news again related to the I I, I tried to flow all of these into each other. So got a boy. Yeah, I, I, doing segways I'm making and stuff. some fucking news art here. This In this case, talking again about Disney streaming service, apparently Disney's going to bring an all-new Marvel show to
1: its streaming service in 2019. And They haven't said what it is. There's also yeah. debate about whether uh, or not those net, our Netflix shows mm-hmm. are going to be staying on Netflix, too. So This is
0: also true, yeah. So we have no idea whether stuff like Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Defenders will end up staying on Netflix. Uh, Netflix, or whether it will also be going to the service, I have a feeling it's probably because that hasn't been mm-hmm. negotiated yet. Yeah, feeling Disney probably wants to pull it over, but Netflix is like, no, you have to give us eight gajillion dollars for that, and Disney saying we'll give you three dollars, and then eventually <laughs> they'll meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably that's probably pretty accurate, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get to the story uh, that will indicate that. M- Disney obviously not against spending the fucking money these days, so
0: yeah, yeah, this is true. There's, there's, there's more news there as well. So again, this that's really early news. We have no idea what it's going to be, whether it will be in part of that uh, that MCU or whether it'll be something kind of
1: standalone. Or well, doesn't uh, I don't know if you have it on your list or not, but doesn't Runaways premiere on Hulu like in the next couple weeks too? Uh, it's pretty soon. Well, I mean, we get we get uh, Punisher. Punisher's next weekend, um, because next weekend is like it's competing with Justice League. Yeah, it's hitting, going up toe to toe with Justice League. So
0: Justice League, which one of your dear host folks has an advanced screening pass to, so somebody will get to see it before it officially releases. Fuck
1: you, prick! <laughs> I'm just getting fucking sh- like shit on with the advanced screenings because uh, fuckface here saw uh Thor like two I weeks sure did too. So well, that's
0: that's just because. The U.S. gets fucked over yeah. on certain movies. A lot of the Marvel movies yeah. end up releasing in Asian markets and uh, in European markets and shit like that, like several weeks before.
1: Still horseshit. Although, although I do, we do get to hold one thing above him. He hasn't seen fucking Blade Runner yet. So Andy hasn't played fucking Breath of the Wild yet. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you did, because you got that
0: I Switch got bit. my uh, Switch.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah we'll talk about that when we first get to King King of, of the Week. week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's, we're all going to be talking about Switch games then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but before that, let's see. Moving on to the next bit of Disney moves. Disney is also apparently in talks to, by the majority of 20th century, or 21st or whatever, Century Fox. In order, well, it's never been explicitly said, but this would, in theory, bring all of the Marvel properties back under one studio. Oh, God. Uh, you know, all the all the X-Men properties and mutants and everything, therefore, related, and Fantastic Four would come back under the purview of Marvel
1: Studios. And before anybody in, says in it, Disney, there were stories, again, that they are still at the table. Like, they're still discussing it. It's not a dead yeah. deal. Like, it's still on the table. Back and forth. As of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Please, yeah, for was, the uh, love of God, give us the X-Men back. I am so fucking ready to have an MCU <laughs> X-Men. Like, do you think
0: do you think uh do you think uh Hugh'd come back for for Wolverine if he
1: got to play it in like an A V X movie or something like that? I, I Avengers guess, versus X-Men for our I, list. I think, I think if you could do like if you're gonna do like one big world shattering like crossover, I I would hope they would get him and uh Patrick Stewart back to do like that, yeah. Big crossover, yeah. I mean, at that point, yeah. you're just going to shred the timeline and get all your original X-Men to come back. Like, I'm totally for like that 2000 X-Men team, yeah. All of them coming back and then getting killed at the end of that fucking thing, and starting from scratch. We could
0: spend like a half hour just, just like discussing the pairing, oh. like the team, the who would be against who
1: kind of thing, mm-hmm. like Cap versus Wolverine, whatever kind of. But thing. And I mentioned yeah. it on the Facebook post. The thing that I'm actually the most excited about is Doctor Doom in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, actually properly. having a done properly and actually having a proper villain in the MCU that can overarch across everybody. That's not Thanos. That's like this big nebulous force out there. There's actually mm-hmm. somebody they could have. that's like a day to day threat for everybody all the time just by On having Earth, to. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Like a, in a rogue Nation. I'm and, just throwing it out there, not, though. Not anything, and, I know he was in Doctor Strange. Mads Mickelson goes on the mask that's my guy <laughs> well we'd never have to see him i mean it's not like <laughs> exactly yeah it's not
0: like marvel is against having the same people cast in multiple fucking roles nope. like apparently they just want josh brolin to play fucking everybody well that's fox and marvel so that's but yeah i'm not down for josh brolin as cable i am i'm on the record for that i'm skeptical of that one
1: i i reserve judgment until that movie comes out i'm still convinced that uh it's not going to possibly be bad because I think Ryan Reynolds is still writing the movie. So I feel like yeah. it's going to be a two hour long, like we're making fun of cable kind of movie anyway, because it's such a ridiculous concept to begin with it. Oh, you mean like Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which we're not allowed. We're verboten from talking about because Christie's not here <laughs> and told us not to, but like quick preview, five fucking stars guys. <laughs> no, actually not five, but like 4.5. Excellent. goddamn movie. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very much looking forward to talking about that. I'm gonna be the person that has
0: some holdouts and gripes on it. I did greatly enjoy so all. So just preview there. Tim
1: is Tim's being bougie on us now. I just saw Blade <laughs> Runner. It doesn't compare to the art masterpiece that I just saw. Of course not. That's part of it. That's part of it. I, yeah. That's not all of it. But
0: we'll we'll get to that when we address. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul can comment on it. Yeah, I'll the, comment on it because
2: I, I, I saw it before all y'all motherfuckers. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and I have some reservations about that movie too, but I do I did enjoy the shit out of it. Like it was like as far as Marvel recent Marvel movies go, I certainly liked it better than Guardians 2. It was just it had its weak points, but once it kicked in, goddamn it was a good movie. So, yeah.
0: We'll we'll have an episode on that. That might be next week if we can yeah. Depending on uh, how on
2: Christie's schedule. Yeah. But based on the the news of like Marvel getting the mutants back, if that happens, like I one of the things that I got excited about uh, with the new mutants announcement that it was going to be kind of a slasher horror thing is that like they I think Fox uh, is more probably more in tune now to exploring different genres because uh, yeah the x-men movies have kind of flatlined a little bit in terms of like the the tone is always this super serious kind of adventure movie and they want to d- the way that thor ragnarok was a, a bit of a departure from the mcu formula but still kind of really fits into that i want to see bigger okay. departures and like a, a a mutant slasher flick that's fun yeah
0: but well, and Legion, as well, like Legion, like really psychological, mm-hmm. sort of indie yeah. uh, horror almost yeah. kind of thing.
1: Well, I think, I think Fox, since like the post uh, X Men Apocalypse run, well, actually, no, it'd probably be pre that too, because was Deadpool before that one?
2: Run. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. No, a
1: couple, yeah, I think it
2: was a couple months
0: before X Men Apocalypse.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think, I think since Deadpool, they've done, they've done like those, well, I mean, Deadpool and Logan were both pretty big kind of departures from like the, baseline of what the x-men movies had been so far so there they are in like we can take a risk mode now which is pretty cool whether or not that translates to these characters moving into the mcu or not i think at that point having that breadth and scope of stuff like you could do your main x team and then still have those movies going on off to the side specifically like deadpool or something like that like i would be curious and i think we talked about it on the facebook page like how does marvel handle like Oh, now we own that Deadpool franchise. Like are you do you make that PG-13 just to suit your Disney family-friendly mm-hmm. thing or do you figure out a way and leave like do you leave the Fox label there so that you can do R rated? Yeah, like movies? they've
0: done in the past with stuff like Miramax and Touchstone and
1: that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly.
2: I'm like really worried about that because I think that based on merchandising yeah. um where yeah. that Disney has an interest in, in make making- just yeah, leveling everything out. Even if Deadpool is not as PG as the Avengers, it's like still yeah. going to be like bowlerized a little bit. It's going to be made a little bit more sanitized for a bigger audience. And that that's yeah. the only thing that worries me about this merger, this buyout, is that the way that Disney handles this kind of stuff, it's really like even it makes me think of kingdom hearts where they have like the super serious final fantasy story, but they dumb it down every chance they get with the Disney stuff. And it's like, if they follow that formula, then I don't have a lot of hope for movies like Logan and Deadpool. That's all. So,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll, we'll see where that goes. That one is again, really early, but, uh, exciting, but not without its pitfalls.
2: Yeah. Let's say Yeah.
0: Yeah. But uh, another way in which, Mar, well, this, this is actually a loss for Marvel in that they have lost one of their biggest, uh, most legendary writers of the past, say, 20 years or so, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, known for stuff like Ultimate Spider-Man and other things that <laughs> I don't know because I'm not a Marvel guy. Jessica
1: Jones, and he also created Miles Morales, yeah. so he's on record as that. Um, he's also been kind of the... I don't want to say lead writer, but kind of the chief architect mm-hmm. writer for Marvel, probably the mainly for the past fifteen years. Well, maybe the last ten years, especially since he kind of got pumped yeah. up to AAA, kind of like doing the big event. Like when he took over um, Avengers and did disassembled was kind of when he became like the guy at Marvel, and has kind of remained the guy at Marvel ever since. So he's like the Jeff Johns of Marvel, kind of. I thing? I would yeah, arguably that's probably like the best way to describe him. Um, in terms of what like their creative lead is, like they still have, I feel like Marvel still has like stronger, maybe, maybe it's just personalities like that I'm more familiar with, but they still have stronger leadership and editorial. Like they still have Axel Alonso and Joe Quesada and stuff like that, that are, they're doing stuff, but they don't like, I think Bendis was kind of like, he ran the ship a fair bit for number of years well
0: you'll note that mark is speaking of uh bendis in the past tense with his with the uh, reference to his tenure at marvel because his tenure at marvel is no more he will apparently be crossing the aisle to dc beginning at some unspecified time in the future but uh, apparently he's just ex- uh, signed uh, an exclusive deal with dc uh so there's a lot of a lot of people that are excited about that a lot of people that are like He's a hack, let's, or he's, you know, gone way downhill, good riddance kind of thing. But uh, I, for one, am, as a DC fan, are, I'm super excited. That's one thing that DC has shied away from, I would say, in recent years is like these really powerhouse creative teams. And they're trying to go a lot more with like sort of younger blood and that kind of thing, probably in part because it's cheaper. But uh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see who they put him on. And I, I could go on for probably half an hour about the characters I would like to see and maybe try and reinvigorate.
1: Yeah, I like uh, there. There was definitely a sentiment in like the Marvel kind of community that was like good fucking riddance. Like he's their problem now, which I don't completely mm-hmm. agree with 100 percent because he was still doing books that I like a lot. Like he still was kind of the main creative force behind Miles, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, even as it had been shifted back into the 616 like back into the mainstream mar- Marvel universe post ultimate stuff but um so that stuff was still good but yeah there's definitely some people who are like good let them go over there and play let's let let's have somebody else take control of Marvel for a little while and kind of steer that ship mm-hmm. or you know what maybe not have that lead writer guy and let everybody write their own fucking books the way they want to write them as opposed mm-hmm. to having editorial fucking micromanaging every goddamn thing that happens in every book yeah rant over sorry that was (laughs) yeah again it's uh, it's it's
0: like nobody knew well I I think people sort of knew that he was probably going to leave Marvel but they didn't know what he was going to do whether he was going to like go uh, work on stuff or whatever but uh, apparently he wants to go play in the DC sandbox for a while so I'm I'm all about that and look forward to seeing where it goes and
1: uh, yeah I think he'd be a good fit on the flash I think they should give him the flash
0: my my dream cast is for him to do like a character reinvigorate a character that's sort of being underutilized right now like uh like firestorm which is a personal favorite of mine which we talked about the last time that we sort of sat down and did one of these comic book episodes so spoilers yeah. to what 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 our meat of the episode is gonna be <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: but before we get to that even more fucking streaming news uh and this one particularly relevant to my household Amazon is apparently working with Warner Brothers to make a Lord of the Rings TV show. Oh, really? Yeah, so Jeff uh, Amazon uh, CEO Jeff Bezos is apparently like personally involved in this. So Warner Brothers and the Tolkien Estate sort of came to a uh an agreement uh, regarding a lawsuit disagreement over how much they'd been com- the Tolkien Estate had been compensated for. Uh, with all of the sort of tie-ins related to the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies, does Warner
1: own like the overarching art like rights to that? Like, because that's New Line, wasn't it? Wasn't it New Line? That... New Line, which I think is Warner now. Oh, are they? Yeah, they, they're defunct, but I didn't know who bought like their library or whatever. So Warner, yeah. Warner, I guess. Yeah. Bought their bought all that their, kind of... all their
0: rights and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So apparently, I mean, a lot of people are saying like, no, it's too early for. Lord of the Rings to be readapted; those movies, you know, you're not going to improve improve on those movies, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Alicia is skeptical. Uh, my wife, mm-hmm. Alicia, our, our listeners, who is the the biggest Tolkien head that any of us probably know.
1: Yep, <laughs> absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I don't know about this. On, I'm also uh, skeptical. I th- I don't know that there is a. They haven't touched the Silmarillion on the in the movies but i'm not sure i care to see that televised like that movie that book is pretty like i don't know it's like it's like a chapter of the old testament sometimes where the the lists of people and the genealogies and oh it's like it's there there are parts of it that are
0: adaptable there are parts of it that are very much not.
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i would be leery of that getting adapted to anything because that's it's that's a tough sit. Yeah. So, like, big so is it like
2: anyway. alternate um, stories so. of Middle Earth? Or are they going to do like uh, uh, I? I like even then the the driving force behind the stories of Middle Earth it was the War of the Ring. So, and we've we've been there. We've yeah. done that. Is there, are we going to do like I don't know? The thing is, if if they do revisit Lord of the Rings, there are parts of that
0: that they fully skipped or completely uh, omitted from the Peter Jackson versions. Um, stuff like stuff like Tom Bombadil, stuff like the Scouring of the
2: Shire, that kind of thing, that could make worthy I, additions. I would go with Scouring of the Shire, like a, or a series based entirely on Tom Bombadil would be such a mypa. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be a trip it would
1: be it would be just a yeah. stoner's fucking paradise i was gonna say i don't think there's enough fucking weed in
2: the world for everybody to do yeah. at that point you know what i mean like just Tom <laughs> fucking with the ends for like yeah. every episode Episodes. yeah like like in a bug's bunny way or something i don't know it's yeah. just like yeah.
1: uh that's pretty much what that character is is just like bug's buddy isn't it like in the tolkien verse like it's just like i fuck with things he, i don't know what yeah, i do he is like
2: He's the ultimate like <laughs> plot divergence. Like he's been, like he, he. Once you get in there and you and you do the Tom Bombadil thing and you get out of it again, it's like, oh, that happened, what, and what then he never gets to touched yeah. again. Yeah. What? What the fuck was that? <laughs> I, I I get what Tolkien was trying to do with that character, but like as a person who's reread those books, like sometimes I'm like, I like you, Tom Bombadil, but I want to rip you out of the book. And read you as doing. a separate yeah. book. And that's more of a thing. I've read, that yeah. book,
1: read those books three or four times, and I still have no fucking idea what that was supposed to be about. Like, there's just this, like, random, like, Q shows up in the middle of these <laughs> Lord of the Rings books yeah. and just does things, and then, like, fucks off, and nobody talks about him again. It's like, what? It who, the, who the fuck is yeah, that, that guy? Was guy? Yeah. What was he
0: smoking? <laughs> Did you see yeah. that fucking guy?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Like, I. I mean obviously anything that like comes of this well like I'm in the bag for I'll probably watch it but like I don't know what you fucking do in that year. You haven't even seen all the hobbit movies yet. <laughs> I, I watched them last year I told you.
2: I oh, haven't okay. seen all the hobbit movies. But you took forever they are oh, you boring. Yeah. They're not good
0: movies. Mm, you, you haven't you haven't watched them shit Drunk Paul. No.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> okay, if you if you require like to be to be above the legal limit to enjoy a film <laughs> then no no i can i can't even h- hate watch those movies they're so boring to me so cuz i got through the the first half of the second film and i'm just like no i'm out with this franchise like this trilogy's <laughs> no bored just bored
1: i watched them all uh at christmas last year and they definitely were much more of a i guess chore than yeah. the uh the like the main rings movies are
2: but at the same time like they're still pretty impressive to look at, I guess. Yeah. I, I find it was less of a chore to get through all three extended editions of the Lord of the Rings (laughs) movies than it was to get through the first movie and a half of the Hobbit trilogy. So (laughs) that's just me, but
0: fair enough. Again, this is a discussion for another time. We, we still have our long anticipated, at least by us Tolkien episode, which maybe we'll do uh, uh, after our, I say our meaning Mina Alicia's uh, annual marathon which will be happening after American Thanksgiving just a couple weeks from now. Cool. 2 weeks from now actually I will be shinhammer drunk having being about halfway through the third Hobbit movie. So.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll have to see if if Tim decides he wants to do another bonus episode <laughs> like he did last year cuz that was hilarious. <laughs> it was a nightmare, but it was hilarious. There's a lot of
0: yelling. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, all right. Let's shift gears completely. Staying in the fantasy realm, I guess, to be fair, uh, for news that Christy is going to be very upset that we covered without her. Being the fact that there will soon be a Harry Potter aug- augmented reality game. Basically, a Harry Potter Pokemon Go,
2: if you will. Right down to the fact that it's partially being developed by Niantic. So. I haven't, I've only read the headline on this. I knew that it was happening because I'm not a Pokemon Go fan, but w- is it like wizard duels? Like what's
0: The headline is basically all the information. That's yeah,
2: underused. that's all the information. Oh, okay. Well, then
0: that that's what this whole fucking week of news is, is here's something really vague. Go
2: speculate on it. Uh, okay. Yeah, pretty well, much. <laughs> if that's the case, then I really don't know. Where my interest lies in this. Cause I like the idea, I like the idea of Potter more, even though I didn't get into it. Like it, it, your own kind of wizarding MMORPG where you like go to Diagon Alley and like you're in it. Like mm-hmm. being a wizard out on the street. Like one of the things I liked about the Harry Potter universe is that it was modern fantasy and all the wizards were kind of clandestine. Like they were, all, it was like this something that you couldn't, that couldn't be perceived yeah. by normal people. So maybe they're going to do that. Like, they're gonna have like you're you can you're not a muggle and you can see past all of like the normal normy shit around you i could like could be interesting but like something like pokemon go is like a much easier sell conceptually for me because you're just catching pokemon
0: well the pitfall in it is is very much like does this just become a catch fantastic beasts kind of thing like where it's basically a fucking Pokemon go clone where instead you're just catching
1: like hippogriffs. and shit I hate like that. that idea so much. I-, <laughs> I-, <laughs> I never played Pokemon go or, uh, I care that much about Harry Potter. And that sounds like fucking garbage to me.
2: So I would prefer if like you were going around, like discovering lore from the Harry Potter universe, open, like uh, obtaining new spells, something like that.
1: Even that's barely a video game though. Like what do you do? With I that? know. Like- yeah. We'll see.
0: The press release says by exposing real world neighborhoods and cities across the globe or exploring, I should say, uh, real world neighborhoods and cities across the globe, players will go on adventures, learn and cast spells, discover mysterious artifacts and encounter legendary beasts and iconic characters. Mm. So it sounds kind of like a hybrid of what everybody here has said.
2: Okay, I mean, so we'll see. Yeah, I would. It like until the main objective of the game is made clear, like Pokemon go is got to catch them all with Harry Potter. It's like explore. It's very vague. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Well, moving on from that, we are a mere week away from Justice League, the long anticipated by some dreaded next edition to the DC cinematic universe or DCEU, I guess DC extended extended universe. I think is what we're calling called. it. Yeah. And, uh, the first reviews are starting to pop up, pop up now. And they seem to be just all across the fucking board. Some I've seen, I've seen some really good ones. I've seen people saying like that it tested as well in screenings as, uh, Wonder Woman did, uh, which I shared on the Facebook page earlier this yeah. week. So it seems really across the board. I have a feeling it's probably going to end up being a rather divisive movie, but it's—I mean—they're making—they're—they're they're making a lot of waves at least. So that yeah. means a lot of people are probably going to go out and see it.
1: I'm—I mean, I mean, we're all going to go see it. Well, maybe Paul will but like <laughs> I—I'll definitely be going to see it like next week as early as possible, just because I like it's a comic book movie and I'm in the bag for the shit. So. I'm not, I I did see like the reviews being kind of like all like the scattershot reviews. And I'm like, mm, that, that worries me a little bit just because I don't know. Like I want them to do well. Like I'm not, I don't want any of this shit to like fail kind of thing, but it's just, I don't know, man. Like I haven't seen anything that feels like, I don't, I haven't seen anything that like makes me feel fucking confident that this is going to go the way I want it to kind of thing yet. Yeah. You know
2: what I mean? So the only thing that makes me feel confident about the movie is the fact that the marketing shift gears so hard to feature Wonder Woman uh, because she is <laughs> she's the only like critically successful and now most financially successful of the DCEU movies because that movie had yeah. fucking legs and not just we're not just talking about Gal Gadot but, Gal Gadot? but um, <laughs> hey I
1: just want to point out that was Paul who said that not me <laughs> the right? gay man so, on
0: our podcast just made a yeah sexual comment about Gal Gadot's legs
2: but also yeah. her charm and <laughs> talent. Uh, <she's>, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, no, she's the only... Direct, your, direct your complaints to Paul yeah. Yeah, Roy. Too.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> on Facebook. You,
1: <laughs> yeah. He's, he's on our Facebook yeah. page. So. She,
2: um, you can find him there. She's already... She's obviously my favorite part of the DCEU at this point. And I think that like the, uh, my problem... Well, we talked about this on the Buffy episode where it's like, do I wanna support the the people that have been accused of sexual assault, like Ben Affleck and uh and Josh Whedon? No, Whedon. You you already missed that part of the podcast, Paul. Mm-hmm. By coming on, late. Yeah. you missed the part where uh, we talked about all that. Damn. So so I'm not gonna give them my money. <laughs> um I'm gonna I'll download it and, you know, face the consequences of like whoever is gonna arrest me for it but whatever um like i don't want to give my money to that franchise in particular but i would pay good money to see wonder Woman 2 absolutely so
1: i yeah I, I i get where you where you're coming from um i just i want it's like it's like a catch-22 right like if it's good and i don't go see it then i've missed out and if i if it's terrible and i go see it then like i've given the money and Allowed them to think that that is an acceptable yeah. way to go, kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. But I mean, um, I don't know. I, I, but it's a movie with Batman in it, so Mark will give him, that. yes, exactly. Batman is in it, and <laughs> and Wonder Woman, like she's in there too. And like, I am morbidly curious about uh, the the, the other Flash, like, there's another, yeah. another Flash. I, re- um,
2: I really like that actor, so... Ezra Miller, so I'm fine with that like I, I i'm not on i haven't watched all of flash yet um i do love uh grant gustin is his name yeah yeah he's yeah. he's really good but i have a l- lot of hope for ezra miller because i've, I've liked him in other movies um yeah. but again i don't really like pound for pound like the 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 cons outweigh the pros as, <laughs> far as the dc you know, yeah. so I, I can't give my money to that movie I will give more money to Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot any day of the week. So fast track that Wonder Woman two movie. Give it to me now. <laughs> I think
1: it, I think <laughs> it already is fast track. I yeah. think that'll be out like next year. So that's
0: that's my concern with the or one of my concerns with the Justice League movie is that just s- so many people are expecting it to be bad that they're going to go in with these yeah. presupposed uh,
2: expectations and it, they're going to see it through that lens and I don't know. Maybe that's we'll to its benefit because then if it's like mediocre, then uh, then they won't be yeah. disappointed because like i went in to suicide squad with like pretty middling expectations and it was fucking garbage so um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i was about the same i i went into suicide squad thinking it would be
1: fun because oh, yeah. trailer <laughs> sold it as fun yeah the trailer looked like fun so i was yeah. like oh that, that looks like it'll be cool and then i got out of there and was just like holy fucking shit yeah. what is going
2: on i think on. it was still pretty fun oh i thought it was not too messy it was just so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh it was it was yeah. messy as fuck but there were there was a lot of fun shit yeah, i thought wonder woman was fun and the right kind of fun for the kind of fun that i wanted out of the dceu and like just um and it's the kind of like diana and gal gadot are getting so much better treatment than henry cavill and See, that's one of those
1: things yeah. that really bums me out about all of this is that I feel like Henry Cavill, who is a really good actor, is admirable Superman, and is an excellent Superman, He's really is, well cast. Exactly. is getting short shrifted all over the fucking place in this franchise. Like it just bums. Me. And that's Superman in a nutshell when it comes to the DC like universe period, like DC comics or TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't know how to write him yeah. as the as our resident Superman expert yeah, yeah exactly and like i which we'll get it, to in the meat of episode and uh it bump, but it just bums me out because like they could if somebody would just tell like a good story like with him as as their superman like i think he would be just as good if not better than chris reeves like i think he's got mm-hmm. that love. like he's good enough at an actor that he yeah. can pull it off but like just write all the shit and then he's like he's dead and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> we'll see yeah. we'll see anyways
0: Let's let's do a lightning round to get through the last uh, bit of news which any other week would probably be our like sort of lead news but this week was just insane. Yeah. So um to no one's fucking surprise the Universal Dark Universe their monster universe is now totally fucking shelved.
1: Good. Yeah. Shit movies. Terrible. Yeah, agreed. I Yep. Oh that move that have you seen that, Mummy? No. Oh fuck! It's so fucking bad. I don't. I got through half an hour of it and was like, no, I can't even. <laughs> even even stoned, I couldn't watch that piece of shit. I was like, no, I'm too bored. I can't fucking do it. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, probably
0: for the best. Apparently, there's, which is kind of sad. Apparently, there's like a an office on the Universal lot that's just like that has like uh, posters of all these the movies and stuff yeah. like that uh, all over it, and like the big. You know, huge, like three-story high, like uh, posters of the car- different like monsters and stuff like that. They're hoping to revive, and it's just <sighs> empty, and there's just nothing happening
1: inside. Good of riddance. Yep. yep.
2: Let 100%. it stand as a monument to their failure. Because God, the ugh, yeah. ugh, that mummy movie was so yeah. oh repulsive. It was just so bland. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> in, in in maybe more hopeful news. We first uh, just today, actually, just this morning, got our first glimpse at the outfit of the new Doctor Who of Jodie Whittaker. Cool. Yeah, as Doctor Who, I like it. i am kind of like he looks like
1: really. <laughs> Mark is apparently not sold. I get what they're doing. I can I can definitely see this is going to be like the Doctor where they react away from the Moffat style, or like the darker Moffat style of storytelling. Like the since reboot Doctor Who has tended to. Tended towards a darker storyline. I think lightening it up a little bit is probably a good idea. It did kind of scream Doctor Five to me a little <laughs> bit. Like it's a little kind of eighties kitschy. Sylvester, for my taste. Uh, Sylvester Pemberton. The yeah, uh, yeah, question
0: mark Doctor.
1: Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, um, it's a so it's a little. I'm not. I don't know. I I I'm obviously in the fucking bag. Like I'm. Mean, I've been watching Doctor Who my whole life, so I'm not going to stop watching Doctor Who based on one image. But like. As a costume like designer kind of nerd, I was like, mm, "How about? I don't know how I feel about that? How about
0: as a Star Trek nerd? Do you have anything to say about maybe her shirt in particular, Mark?"
1: I oh, I have to look at it again. I can't. And that really it is
0: really, why. exactly a clone of the Wesley Crusher sweater.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that is true. I did notice yeah. that yeah and again that hence the eighty my 80s i think that's why it, it just screamed eighties yeah, at yeah. me it's like oh what's going it, on there it like, very much screams like retro futurism to me yeah like it's got like
0: those like wide shoulders and stuff like that i mean i'm down for this I'm, I'm 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 like mark i've been watching doctor who uh maybe not my whole life but i've watched the whole revamp and a lot of the older stuff too on like pbs and yeah. whatever kind of thing and uh yeah
2: i'm i'm, I'm so fucking here for this but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like the this base, like based solely on fashion. Like, I like the colors. I like the high waist. Like, I yeah. think that it's like a cool look. Um, it's not, I don't know. The suspenders is a little like on the nose nerdy th- for me. I, I don't know. It just uh, I, I see that from like a Doctor Who perspective for sure. But from a fashion perspective, it, it's kind of like a, it's fun. But for, but for yeah. Doctor Who, it does kind of seem like a, a, like a bow tie gimmick or maybe like, uh, yeah. I don't know, like the the running. It's like the running shoes or the bow tie of this costume, where it's this particular detail is like. He doesn't have an electric. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. See, I guess that was kind of. I, I was trying to think, like, what the fuck was Moffat's like costume gimmick? Because he didn't really have like a costumey Moffat, gimmick. Peter the guitar that he was. Capaldi. Ah, uh, sorry. Capaldi. Yeah, Capaldi. He didn't really have like in his costume. He didn't have like a gimmick because he had that. He sh- had
2: the shades. He had the shades. Yeah, that is
1: true. You're right. Yeah. He had the shades. Good call. See there you go. Okay, sonic, yeah, sonic Shades. The Sonic Shades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I still think right. his costume, if you if you discount the fucking sunglasses, was probably like the sharpest Doctor
2: Who costume you could possibly design. Like <laughs> it, it was minimalist to an insane degree. Like yeah. yeah, it was
1: just really slick looking.
2: Like it was yeah. like this ni- and that that nice long like high waisted
1: but long jacket and all that shit. Like I was like that was that was quality. It suited that Doctor though. So yeah. yeah. And if yeah, this is going to be, because that's the rumor going around, this is going to be, like, the more fun Doctor, then I'm, this is fine. Like, it's not going to stop me from watching anything. So. <laughs> um, Give me fun, Doctor. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, on to the next one. Uh,
0: this one is for Mark in particular. Apparently, there is a new Transformers animated series coming out next week. which is called Titans Return that looks super, like, old school fucking Transformers. Where did you see this? I didn't see this. So the headline I have is on IO9 or oh, no, it's on Kotaku. It's uh, the biggest transformers battle in Titans Return next week. And the like headline image is uh oh what's the name of Oh the, shit, that's G1. Yeah, what's the name of the, the city? The time Autobot time. City? Metroplex. Met- Metroplex.
1: Oh Metroplex oh, sorry. fighting the, the poster the poster I'm seeing right now is Triptychon.
0: Uh what I'm seeing right now is Metroplex fighting the giant uh which is Trypticon, the the Decepticon uh like T-Rex. city that's T-Rex,
2: city T-Rex. Yeah, yeah it's
1: Trypticon.
2: Those two together and it looks super old school and super fucking cool. But um the cast it looks so good. Will Wheaton and Michael Dorn are in it. Yeah. And Tazon Day.
0: Tazon Day of Chocolate Rain Fame. I don't know who that is but I'm chocolate
1: playing. rain
0: he was also in the uh weezer pork and beans video
1: oh okay this looks like oh it's like cgg1 this is a yeah
0: give me give me give me i mean i i've i stopped watching the transformers animated series like at armada or something like that because they were just garbage yeah uh but this looks fucking solid and apparently there was a co- the frame rate of the frame rate on this is looks it looks really weird yeah like it's really choppy yeah. but but uh, apparently on like a streaming service or something like that like go ninety yeah it's, it's got machinima machinima oh Jesus I'm watching the trailer now too yeah, and they've got it. uh the the dude that what's the dude that voiced Optimus oh Peter Cullen yeah they've got Peter Cullen voicing this
1: trailer. Good. Well, who else are they going to get to do? Optimus oh, Brody? there's Soundwave. Judd Nelson reprising his role as Hot Rod and Rodimus Prime, too. <laughs> That's amazing. Hot Rodimus Prime. Yes! This,
2: I love this cast list. They even have the Green Ranger.
1: Yeah, this looks epic.
0: Like, this looks like what I want out of a uh, uh, Transformers They didn't get series. Frank Walker back as
1: Megatron, though. That's not Frank Walker's voice. Yeah. Is that Starscream? They said he's dead. Oh. <laughs> Michael Dorn. Yeah. And the And the Green, Green Ranger.
0: Ranger and Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. Huh, interesting. I'm in. Wow. I'll check it out. Yeah, this looks like something I would too. I think it looks fun. This is, this is probably going to be the first star or Transformers show I'm going to watch in years. I haven't even watched like anything past like I don't even think I've watched the second Michael Bay movie. Yeah. All right. Well, that is more than enough fucking news for the week. I'm amazed that
1: it took us less than 90 minutes to get through that. We missed you missed one thing. What's that? Um, Suicide Squad 2 we didn't segue into this story apparently there are the rumor going around now is that they will be introducing Black Adam in Suicide Squad 2 to jumpstart getting the rock into the DCEU as soon as possible I'm assuming that's the reason why they're doing is just to get him in there because the franchise needs (laughs) the great one as soon as possible
2: exactly (laughs) exactly isn't this another kind of weird uh, enchanter situation where the power level is a little bit way too high for the Suicide Squad? But that's fine. But, but, but at that point, if they're setting him up to yeah. move forward, what you
1: do is you have them like run into him and get stomped because yeah. what the fuck else is going to And happen? that's the thing with the Suicide Squad as well is, I mean, they're sent in
0: basically with no expectation that they're going to come out alive. Right. Yeah. Right. So you, you can send them against enemies that are way fucking overpowered for them, and if they come out it's a
1: miracle, and then maybe some of them beat the odds and survive Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, like, in this case, maybe this is the one where they just clean house, and just, like, everybody but Harley Quinn just gets wiped out, because why not, right? Because,
0: yeah, because none of the rest of them are making any fucking money for them.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, like, they're gonna go toe-to-toe with the Great One. You're gonna go one-on-one with the Great One. You're gonna get, like, destroyed, so. (laughs) Oh, wrestling yep yep <laughs> but uh yeah i mean I, I am
0: excited for the rock uh as black adam um i just really hope that they put him in decent stories well
1: i'm not holding my breath on that <laughs> yeah
0: that's the thing is is dc does really well in terms of casting but they're hit or miss in terms of the actual story that they put them into yeah. so we'll we'll see how that goes all right, well, with that, let us get on, before we move to our meet, to the, Mark or, Paul, you going to help me with the sting?
2: Sure am. Geek of the Week! Geek of the Week! Geek of the Week.
0: <laughs> so this is where we discuss the geekiest things that each of us has done this week, and we will go to Paul, because we've not had him on for a while. Paul, what was the geekiest thing that you did this week? Well, thank
2: goodness for Super Mario Odyssey because that was my geeky things week. Um, as you've heard on previous. yeah. Okay, so uh, I got a switch uh, when I went back to Canada, and uh, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. And uh, I was going to go full bore into Breath of the Wild, but uh, I downloaded Super Mario Odyssey, and it hooked me right away. Like I, this is probably my favorite Mario game that I've played since ooh, man Mario 64. So, um, I'm just enjoying how it's just a sync of all Mario stuff. Like it, it plays really well. Um, it's really charming and fun so far. I've, I've beaten the main storyline and now I'm going back and unlocking all the other, uh, moons and it's just a blast to play. It's f- every single, uh, challenge in it is fun. Um, I, 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 I can play for I can pick it up really easily. Um do a couple moons in the downwards with Zelda, like it feels like I have to invest more time overall. So I uh, yeah, Super Mario Odyssey has been my geek of the week, other than like devouring all the Pokemon as I can because next week's Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon come out. So yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh that's my geek of the week too, as uh <laughs> fucking Mario Odyssey has just been like consuming my life this week. It's like I've beaten it or I've beaten the main story. I'm kind of trolling through the second part of like that that kind of post-game stuff right now um it is just like exactly the mario game that the switch needed first of all like it's like a mainstream 3d mario game it's super polished it plays like a dream it's fantastically fun i can't recommend it like if you're you're a switch owner tim you have to Mm -hmm. pick this game up it's fucking awesome i know you're you're in the middle of a little bit of a slog right now too but uh (laughs) Once you're once Lovely as, slog. a oh, very a pretty slug. Amazing slog. It's it's a fun fucking game. But I think that as a as a cooldown, I think uh you you lucked into a system that has two of the best games of the year on it nice. within the first eight months of its fucking life. So like Nintendo just has just killed it this year, and that's been uh those two games are just like I don't know. I don't even know what like my, my big concern with all of this now is what do they do to follow up? Because now you start getting into like, oh, we're going to do a game, Mark. Well, I know that's the thing. But when's that come out? Like if yeah. that's still a year or two out, that's a long wait between a big tentpole kind of franchise. Because you've had your Zelda yeah. and Mario in the first year. And it's like, oh, now we're getting into like Kirby games. I'm like, well, this is where I kind of start to wait, wax and wane a little bit on my interest in yeah. the system. I'm all
2: for uh, a new Kirby like, game, but I, I love that
1: franchise. I, I know you're a big Kirby guy. a new Sonic
0: game, since that's part of... Nintendo now as well, or something,
1: no, there's still Sega, but like I they did Sonic Mania, we talked about it on that one episode, uh, right, right, with Mark. Uh, that was oh, yeah, really that good, was too. A PS, like con or a downloadable game, or something it was like it was cross platform, it's on the Switch and it's on uh mm-hmm. PS4 and Xbox mm-hmm. One. But like I grabbed it for Switch because it just felt kind of at home. It still feels yeah. weird sometimes seeing the Sega logo pop up on my Nintendo system, even though it's been. <laughs> Like, sega. Seven, it's still been like 16 years since sega kind of like <laughs> fucked off from the hardware business because after the dreamcast yeah. was like 2000 ish mm-hmm. when they kind of failed out kind of thing or got i shouldn't even say failed out just got slaughtered by the PlayStation just yeah, yeah just got ruined yeah <laughs> like that playstation <laughs> 2 that everybody had right like three of i guess because like <laughs> still the, like i think it's still the best-selling console of all time tracking. Well, yeah, there's that, too. But it was everybody's DVD player, too. Like, it was just... that's, yeah. that's just, Like, there's long stories to tell about the PlayStation 2, so... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they got fucking destroyed in that genre. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I share some of your concerns as far as, like, where do they go from here? Because, like, I, I'm i big into a lot, a lot more of the Nintendo franchises than you, probably. Like, I really like Smash Brothers. I really like uh, Kirby. Um, I'm down for a Fire Emblem game if it comes out for... Switch, but uh, I'm not uh, like as far as like the big three Zelda, Mario, and Metroid, um, you know, like what are they going to do? <laughs> All right. Well,
0: I'll go ahead and round off and say my Geek of the Week was also a Nintendo Switch game. Yeah. Uh, so for longtime listeners of the podcast, you'll know that for a long time I've been hoping to play. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, but I haven't been able to because my wife has been monopolizing our Switch and threatening me with castration if I played it before she was finished it. And Sounds <laughs> like Alicia, finally, to be fair. Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: she finally did finish it uh, a couple weeks ago and was less than satisfied with the ending. I'll say I don't want to put words in her mouth Yeah, because I, I do still hold out hope that she'll be on the podcast one day to I, I'm just it, looking uh, forward to
1: like when you guys come up here I can get a chance to talk to her about it because like I'm curious yeah. to see what she actually thought. I like I like talking to Alicia about that shit because Yeah, so Alicia's okay. Alicia's two main fandoms are
0: like uh Tolkien and Legend of Zelda. And uh so she definitely had some feels on it. Um and I can understand that because uh my geek of the week is that I finally started playing Breath of the Wild this past week. Uh, So, like, Sunday night, I went through and did, like, the uh, sort of intro areas where you unlock all the runes on your Sheikah Slate. Yeah. And uh, even now, like, I haven't even made it to Kakariko Village yet, which is basically like the start of the main quest kind of thing. Yeah, more or less. And, uh, but I've just been exploring a lot because it is such an open-worldy kind of game, and you can just kind of do things in whatever, whatever order, so I've been exploring a lot of the areas and trying to unlock as many of the shrines and towers and stuff like that as i can uh because like that's generally the way i play zelda games like i'm like okay i can get as many heart pieces as i can why would i not do that before i sort of progress the actual story further okay. because it will make the story itself a lot easier if i do that so apparently i've already unlocked uh and and I'm already carrying one of the best weapons in the game, which is the uh, Sheikah, like, double-edged sword. Oh. It's like a level level 50 weapon or something like oh, that. Okay. I got in one of the shrines.
1: Yeah. Um, be careful with that, because you're going to lose it pretty fucking fast. So. Yeah, I know, because everything is fucking destructible in this game, which I no yeah. The one. Yeah. The one cool thing, the one thing that I do, uh, what I, I found myself doing a lot, was those weapons are They're not overpowered, but they're very useful in a lot of ways. Like the stuff you get off those bots. I was going back because you can warp so quickly back to the shrines. I had a couple that I had kind of marked that was like, I can quickly go back here and get a sword and an axe and the shield of that style and would go back and get them and keep going kind of thing. Grab a couple maybe and like,
2: oh, like the guardian swords.
1: Yeah, guardian swords. That's yeah, guardian swords
0: like that chica sword, that sort of thing. Like, um, well, that that's a chest, so I don't know if I can go back and get that one again, uh, because you know you only open a chest mm-hmm. once, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's it definitely is a very different Zelda game, and I'm sort yeah. of I, I'm I, I oh, am yeah. enjoying it so far. Like atmospherically, it's beautiful, and the sound and everything is amazing, and I I love you know, just walking around and catching critters and bugs and animals and that sort of thing is, has been a lot of fun for me so far, but uh, I haven't got deep enough into the story yet where I can really cast a sort of end judgment on it. But
1: over the coming weeks, I'm sure you'll hear a lot more from me on it. Yeah. I'm very excited to finally have um, friends that are actually played the game. <laughs> I feel like I was the only one who played it. Like when it first came out, cause I was just like right in there Yeah, and like, you held out because of Alicia and then like Paul didn't have a Wii U. So he didn't switch, get switch till recently. Yeah. So it was like, fuck, I'm the only person I know who's played this game. So I haven't had a chance to talk about it. <laughs> like I've been reading, like I've read, you know, you read articles and you go online and like read shit or whatever, but it's, it's not this, exactly the same as being able to be like, did you try this shit over here with your friends kind of thing? You know what <laughs> I mean? So, uh, and breath of the wild was like, I don't know. I had, that was one of the, my favorite, it'll probably go down as one of my favorite video game experiences yeah. like of all time. Like just that first time through. Cause Oh man, it was just, it was just Zelda enough that I was like comfortable, but it was so like, it was just open world and kind of like Ubisoft open world style enough. that I was like, this is fucking fun. And they had that Nintendo level of polish that like, yeah. maybe three other developers like in like, across all platforms touch at any given time. And the
0: really nice thing for me has been that, um, the issue with me, and one of the things Alicia endlessly makes fun of me for, is that the fact that I end up playing, like, with fucking spreadsheets for Zelda games and shit like that. I'm yeah, trying to, that
1: baffles me to this day.
0: Where I'm trying to, like, figure out, like, okay, which, to, to make sure that I'm 100%ing the game, right? To make sure, like, I've hit every heart piece and encountered every whatever kind of thing, and and done all the collectibles kind of thing. Uh, whereas, and, and in the past, it's been really hard to keep track of that whereas in breath of the wild i found a lot more like every place that you pick up a korok seed there's a little spot on your map for it so you know yeah. that you've got that one or every shrine that you unlock is marked on your map kind of thing so you know that you've got that one so it makes it a lot easier to keep track of this expansive world what you've done what you haven't um and also the fact that. Uh, it is such a massively expansive world and very open world, but the fact that there are so many warp points and travel points has managed to yeah. shrink it a lot.
1: So that has uh, been really helpful for me so far. The only problem is, I, I with with both of you playing it, it's just going to make me want to go back <laughs> and replay it. Yeah. And now that I have the Switch, I'm like, I bought it for Switch just to kind of have it. I don't know why I did that. I'm like you're going to want to play on bucks. Switch but now I'm like, I want to play it on switch now. You know what I mean? And I got my new fancy surround sound system that I didn't have when I played it the first time. So I'm just like, I'm playing it on surround
0: and there's definitely surround stuff like where, where you're like listening for like the, the Korok noise or like, or a bug or, I believe you're going to do that or a bug or something like that. Yeah. Uh, where you can hear like, as you turn around, what direction they're coming from that kind of thing. Yeah. um, that being said, I messaged this to Mark today. I'm hearing that fucking like, Korok rattling like in real life now. <laughs> I've only been playing this game like three or four days kind of thing. And I'm already hearing this noise yeah. where I'm like, oh my god, there's a Korok around. I must get his seed, which sounds dirty but I probably Yeah, it sounds
1: disgusting. disgusting and horrible. Oh. I
0: must get all of his seed into my pouch. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh my no. <laughs> I guess, and considering the seeds they give you are little shits, it's kind of like <laughs> They're little drops, yeah, yeah, yeah little yeah. little liquidy, viscous drops, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, that, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys are getting to that game because it's like, I, it's so it's fucking good, beautiful,
0: absolutely. Yeah. The
1: music um, in
2: it, the visuals in it, so far, I'm just
0: absolutely enraptured by. Yeah, mm-hmm,
2: so. I'm actually a little bit stalled on Breath of the Wild because um, I originally played it when I was visiting a friend in Japan. Um and I got up, I finally have now gotten to the same point I was at when I was there in Japan. So now I have to kind of push forward and get into the new stuff. But it was a little bit of a slog to redo the initial four yeah. shrines and stuff and get mm-hmm. to Kakariko Village. But uh now that i I'm there, I'm kind of going back and forth between Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. So well, with that, now that we've got through everybody's geeks of the
0: weekses. Uh let us move on to our Meat of the Episode.
2: Meat of the Episode.
0: <laughs> Which is more four-color me this week, as uh because Christy is off in Theaterland, uh Mark and I decided to uh do another very much comic-centric
1: episode because well, it's also because she banned us from speaking about Thor, which is probably what we would have talked about this week it's if true. she had, if she hadn't been like, no, you can't talk about it without me. It would have been like, well, fuck you, we're talking about Thor. Yeah. So before, before you
0: before we get started, I will uh, introduce my uh, geek tail, my cocktail for the week, which is what I have dubbed the Biff Bam Pow, so named because it has multiple base liqueurs in it, which is getting me good and fucking drunk. Uh which yeah. is well needed because I've had that kind of
1: week. Uh so the Biffman Biff- Biff hasn't quite started to slur yet. So yeah. once he does, maybe I'll take over the rest of the episode. I'm letting him lead for now, but the Biffman POW
0: for our listeners contains uh again uh several uh base liquors in the sort of tiki tradition of mixing different hard liquors it's got dark rum light rum and gin as well as falernum, which is a uh classic tiki syrup bitters personally i used earl grey bitters that i got from this local bitters place but i think pretty much any bitters would work uh lemon juice orange juice and white grapefruit juice and it is served in my superman glass <laughs> sounds delicious so i figured i figured a nice like colorful cocktail would work well for this comic book episode because we are going to be diving deep into the comic book world again um probably dc marvel and maybe beyond we'll see how it goes but uh we're gonna talk more so the lot we haven't done this for about 30 something episodes now where we've gone really deep into like particular runs and creative teams that we have really enjoyed on comic books So that's where we're going tonight. But to begin with, I wanted to start out by talking about, I don't know if you guys as much as me are sort of reading uh, current comics, but anything right now that you're reading, whether it is something that's currently coming out or something you're just reading at the moment that you would really strongly recommend. Uh, So let's go to our quote unquote guest host, Paul, to begin with.
2: So uh, one of the issues I have living in Korea is that it's more difficult to like dive into a comic books culture because everything uh, Western comics aren't super popular. You can get trade paperbacks, but they're all in Korean, um, and mm. then the other most of the other comic that you can get in paper form are from Japan. But Korea is the land of web comics now digital everything digital everything absolutely that being said though um there is one particular korean comic that is being currently translated uh into english on the country's flagship search engine type thing called neighbor.com and it's called tower of god Um, and tower of god is a kind of a dragon ball-esque comic series you lost me (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not super. Yeah. It's it's a bunch of weird <laughs> characters with superpowers who go through challenges and go th- and do tournament style fighting. And it's it's been the kind of story I've always loved since I first got into Dragon Ball <laughs> when I was a really young kid. And uh, to this day, it's kind of the only series I'm currently following because I, I kind of fell off of Marvel and DC Comics, with the exception of. I don't know, here and there picking something up, but currently that's all I've got going. Fair enough.
0: Uh, Mark, how about you? Anything right now that you're reading that you're super into and would recommend to our listeners?
1: Um, I just finished. Um, and I, I wanted to, I've been meaning to shout out, uh, this person for a while. Um, I have a friend who I met on the, at fan expo, uh, like a number of years ago and that I've been like kind of following on Twitter, uh, ever since, uh, her name is Blake Northcott. She is a Hamilton-based writer who wrote a number of like young adult books. Um, there what was the what was the name of the she wrote a series of books called Arena Mode, which was like it was kind of a, a superhero young adult series in novel form that was really good. But she recently got picked up to do a run on uh, Aspen Comics Fathom and just mm-hmm. finished her first eight-issue run on the book with um Marco Rena, her. And it was it was a lot of fun to read. Uh, It was a really good story that she put together, but it was just really exciting for me to see somebody that I knew while I was kind of trying to make inroads in that world, having made good and kind of broken in. Even if it is like, it's not for the big two yet. I'm sure she'll get there eventually. She's super talented. She's really good at what she does. Still, I mean, Fathom is a
0: pretty massive character, right? Like for, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, Michael Turner character. um, Michael Turner being, uh Passed away now, right? Yeah, he's he passed away a number a couple of years, years ago. ago. Yeah, a years ago. So, um yeah, I mean that's a that's a massive character to be working on for
1: sure. So yeah, so she she just finished her first eight issue run. She's gotten picked up to do another arc with the character sometime. In the Are you going to give us her name? Blake Northcott. I okay. said it hey. twice now. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe the time you need to take over, Mark.
1: <laughs> yeah, I might need to lead the rest of the episode. It's him. Uh, somebody's gotten a little fucking like plastered there. Uh, but no, so I've known Blake for for years and years. We chat every once in a while on Facebook and on Twitter and stuff. She's from Hamilton. She went to McMaster. She follows like she likes the face like she's liked us on the Facebook page and stuff like that. So I think she listens to the episode, like the the podcast every once in a while. I've seen oh, her. She sends me comments and stuff every once in a while. But yeah, she, she I was super excited to see she got picked up to do Aspen. Like I used to read, I I'm reading it now because she's writing it obviously. But I I picked up like the early Michael Turner stuff when he was doing it back then mainly. Maybe not because the character was super interesting to me at the time, but just because Michael Turner's art was always just like spectacularly crazy. well done. Yeah. Like yeah, crazy good. Really good. Um but super like her, pencil, but crazy good. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a big J. Scott Campbell guy too. So like I mean as <laughs> You're there for that? I'm yeah, I guess in some ways I totally am. But like they're both really good at like putting pages together too. Like, yeah, they mm-hmm. hypersexualize their women and stuff like that, but like they just draw well, really well, too. So, like, there's a lot of stuff in there that's kind of fun to watch. But, uh, yeah, if you're a Canadian comic book fan, I definitely think you should go pick up. It's it's volume four of Fathom. I'm not sure if it's collected yet, but you can get all eight issues on Comicsology because that's where I was reading it. Yeah, go pick it up. Uh, she's got a Patreon you can go and support her on. I was supporting her. I've been supporting her for a while on that, like, helping out whatever you do on Patreon, like that kind of thing. So you can go help her out there. But, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see somebody that I – like at the same time kind of like have known for years and she broke in and made good so go buy it so that she gets picked up to do some some other stuff cuz <laughs> it's always nice to see local people get yeah picked up and especially if she's one of our work. listeners it's uh yeah definitely yeah. support anybody that is one a listener of ours that is doing Absolutely. awesome thing. and i feel bad cuz i've been meeting this like we we haven't really talked about comic books uh, since she got that like that gig that gig has been going on mm-hmm so I haven't had a chance to shout it out, but I've been reading it like a month to month. I was picking that book up and it was really, I really enjoyed it. So go get it. Yeah. All right. And Uh, hi,
0: Blake. (laughs) All right. Uh, For me as our resident uh, DC nerd, there are a few different DC titles uh, that I've been reading recently that have been really capturing my imagination and my interest and my dollars. Uh, One has been the uh, DC Rebirth Superman books have been really fucking good i haven't seen good reviews about those so yeah i mean it's basically you've got a superman and and lois lane that are married and have a kid that's about nine or, or like about 10 years old something like that and is sort of coming into his own and starting to develop his powers kind of thing um which is a really cool place to be in terms of comics and uh peter tomasi and patrick gleason have been writing the actual superman title and uh dan jurgens has been writing the action comics title and both of those are just amazing creative teams
1: who's penciling dan jurgens uh good question. he's not drawing anymore is he uh not right now no uh i love his pencils he's so i good. do too he's my
0: favorite fucking i mean he's both one of my favorite artists and one of my favorite writers
1: he was always he was probably like he's up there with like guys like Jim Lee and like uh, Stuart Immonen as being a big influence on me, like especially when I was young because like I, those Superman books uh, he was penciling and writing like around the death and like return kind of thing mm-hmm. were like very a big part of me kind of developing as a whatever sequential artist or whatever. Yeah, he is writing
0: action comics right now, and the Bogdanovich Victor. Oh David. shit! Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, cool! So
0: okay. Dan Dan is, Dan Jurgens is doing the story and the breakdown art, and then Victor Bogdanovich oh. is doing the actual pencil the finishes. Okay. Uh, Scott Hanna yeah. on inks. Oh shit! Scott Hanna's inking it too. Yeah, I mean it's a powerhouse, oh, and it's been really, really solid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other the other books I would recommend right now that I'm currently reading would be uh, Dark Knight's Metal. Has uh, been really, really solid. It's the current like DC event book. Uh, which is essentially like a bunch of different versions of Batman, like dark. So the spoiler alert, the uh, sort of overall theme of this event book is that there is not only a multiverse, but a dark multiverse. Uh, So you have like these worlds. So DC has for uh, quite a while been on this kick where like there is worlds from like zero to 52. That are the multiverse, but there's also apparently a dark multiverse, which is the negatives. So it's negative one to negative fifty-two or whatever. And these worlds are worlds where everything is really just like
1: balanced towards the negative. Um and wait, in, is is the current is the current New 52 Earth part of that? Because <laughs> it's a pretty grim world uh... in comparison. Well, New 52 is more or less well
0: more or less absorbed into like the popular whatever multiverse at this point i would say okay yeah the what we can have that conversation
1: separately is okay as to the fate of the new 52 now yeah because that's not even sorry that's not even the active continuity anymore it's like rebirth has kind of retweaked everything right all right okay sorry yeah absolutely i'm a little out of like dc even 616 stuff like marvel stuff i'm a little kind of disconnected from right now so (laughs) <laughs> but this
0: uh DC uh or Dark Knights metal I think Mark especially you would really enjoy because it's
1: got I a lot of I'm re- planning re- on getting into it.
0: Really so. crazy. So the idea in many of these negative multiverse basically dark multiverse sort of worlds is that there has been a Batman that has sort of subsumed the identity of many of the other Justice League characters. So there's like a Batman the Drowned, which is basically a Batman that has sort of subsumed the Aquaman identity, uh, who's also female. Uh, and there's a Batman who laughs, which is a basically a composite Batman Joker character.
1: Ooh. Interesting.
0: There's a Batman uh, that is basically a composite character with Cyborg, where he, he is like sort of has Iron powers. Man. Well. Has powers to sort of take control of technology, that kind of thing. There is a Iron Man. Yeah, there is a (laughs) Batman that has basically become a doomsday uh,
1: surrogate
0: that uh, he defeated the Batman of his universe, um, basically to this idea that Superman is a menace and must be stopped kind of thing. Uh, because he's alien and therefore bad uh batman has injected that sounds like the plot of a major motion picture also sounds like the plot of the united states of america to be honest yeah. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> um, <that. laughs> where uh essentially batman has infected himself with a doomsday virus to become like a version of batman that can defeat Superman, Superman. Okay. Yeah. There is also a version uh called the Dawnbreaker where uh Batman is a Green Lantern essentially, but is a version of the Green Lantern that can absorb uh Green Lantern lights and constructs.
1: Mm. Oh.
0: Okay. There's a version that's like a composite like Flash batman so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on i won't say it's 100 percent like all great but there's some really great takes and it is like ultimately driven by greg
1: by greg Capullo and scott snyder i was gonna say the creative team on it is also like yeah. the greatest creative team working right now yeah. so
0: yeah and even the people that they're pulling in on the peripheral books have been really really strong um yeah. so yeah i would highly recommend dark knight's metal and the other one sort of tangentially. Uh, is Detective Comics right now has been really solid as well. Uh, yeah, it is, I've I've heard good things. It's been, so it's I'm, been I'm looking to get into. Yeah, it. it's been really focused around. So there's for maybe six months or so. There's been this idea that uh, the Tim Drake version of Robin uh, has been dead, but in actuality, he's been imprisoned by this sort of mysterious Mister Oz character. That spoiler alert at this point has actually been shown to be Jor El, Superman's father. And, but there's also this sort of looming specter of the Watchmen universe sort of hanging over the DC stuff lately. And in, uh, I'll get into that a little bit later, but there's also some sort of specter of that sort of hanging over everything. And, but Tim Drake is now sort of escaped the capture of Jorel and is now kind of making his presence known again in the. Uh, in Detective Comics and in the DC Universe at large, which is, you know, it's always nice when you see like one of those characters, like, oh my god, I thought you were dead, and everybody's like, oh, I'm not dead. I was just in yeah. jail or whatever kind of thing. But are they
1: are? Is Tim like the lead on Detective Comics right now? Or
0: no, is it still? it's 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 almost a team book at this point, which is kind of weird. Oh, like, okay. it's uh, Detective Comics has this kind of team that's like uh, Batwoman, Cassandra Kane uh, who is yeah. now known as Orphan? The former Batgirl, yeah, yeah. Now now known as Orphan. Terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you'd read the new Fifty Two uh, Detective Comics and Batman stuff, it it's a it's a pretty good storyline too. Okay,
1: fair
0: enough. Stephanie Brown, uh, spoiler, is also yeah. in there, but is sort of an antagonist character. Where she's been uh, fucked over by this team and now she's sort of doing her own thing. She's
1: been fucked over by the Bat family a yeah. lot in her that character's history. I mean, so
0: the name of the character is basically a spoiler, right? Yeah. Like it's you know, she's in there to fuck things up for everybody else kind of thing. Yeah. But uh Tim Drake, obviously very crucial. Um, Clayface, uh sort of a reformed clayface is also
1: very much a oh, large character as well. It almost sounds like uh like kind of a version of Birds of Prey or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I would say, yeah, definitely a version with. I mean, with uh, sort of a mixed, mixed
1: gender, or maybe like more like the Outsiders. Maybe the Outsiders is closer to that Mm, kind of thing. Maybe it's just really weird to see Detective Comics not being led directly by Batman. Yeah, like it's. I mean, it's happened before, obviously, with like, like post fifty two and stuff like that, where Mm -hmm. he went off on his little solo search mission or whatever, and they gave that book ostensibly to Batwoman for. The most of that year kind of thing yeah but it is kind of weird to see bruce not like leaving that book yeah it's interesting though that's cool it sounds interesting i'll yeah. take a look at it
0: it is yeah it's been a really good time for both i mean the dc sort of main two superman and batman are both being treated very well i would say nice. by yeah. dc right now yeah. so um but with that let's uh sort of move on to our real meat of the episode which is just like runs of comics that we would heartily recommend to our listeners. So a storyline, which is just sort of definitive or really captures the spirit of a character, that kind of thing. So we have not heard from Mark in a little bit. So Mark, do you have a particular run or
1: story or something like that that you would like to hawk to our listeners? I think topically, uh, I think Thor, I was, so I, in prep for Ragnarok, I was kind of looking back at some old Thor stuff that I have. I'm not a big Thor fan, so it's always kind of a challenge for me to find a run of Thor books that I'm like into. Um but Paul will agree with me on this one cuz it's one of the books that we bonded over uh back in the day and it's uh J Michael Straczynski's kind of 12 issue mm. run on Thor along with uh well the penciler on the the first 6 issues is Oliver Koipel but the, the second guy uh Jordvik um is Matthew Jordvik? I can't remember now. You also know, did some fill in instead issues. of really Phil cool. Jordvik. <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot of jordbecks out there <laughs> yeah fuck i just i can't remember because like i remembered his name and how to pronounce it like his last name and then i was like what's his first name shit i dropped it fuck it's out, out. <laughs> it's gone because mainly the main draw is like it's uh oliver Coipel, is whose pencils like who's been kind of a, a marvel mainstay since he got picked up to do this thor run has done a bunch of other stuff and he's one of like he's got to be one of the premier Artists in the industry right now like he's just so fucking good but i thought yeah like i because i was kind of excited for ragnarok and kind of coming down from ragnarok because it was i i I know the, the boys were a little bit less enthused by it than i was but i was just fucking blown away by the movie i had so much fun watching it i kind of was like i should go read some thor comics and the only one that i could remember really enjoying was this run <laughs> j michael straczynski did kind of in the fallout of the Avengers disassembled and the, the Ragnarok story that happened around the same time at that point, this is 2007, approximately there was kind of the, the rebirth of the Asgardians in a floating version of Asgard. That's just in like the Midwest kind of thing. Is it like Oklahoma or something like that? Paul, do you remember? Uh, Ohio, Ohio, yeah, something like that. It's some midwestern state.
2: Midwestern, yeah, yeah,
1: where they're just like so that you get this weird kind of juxtaposition of like Thor flying around and dealing with stuff, but like dealing with these kind of yokel like small town folks. It's very reminiscent, actually, of the first Thor movie. Like I think they they lifted a lot of stuff for that first Thor movie from this run, like the the Asgardians dealing with the small town folk and that kind of stuff and whatever. But it, it also it's like the the run of the book that includes like lady loki uh in there where like he's kind of kidnapped or kind lady of Sith. lady sif and like whatever is using her body as and to be like the female loki while he's wandering around causing loki trouble and eventually you get to f- see the fallout of loki
0: slash loki yeah i see what you exactly. did there
1: there you there you go good tim i'm glad you're still at least Quasi cogent enough to follow what's going on on the podcast. Still here, um, yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of, uh, yeah. But it's all—it's got—it's got a bunch of really good, like, bits. Like because it's post Avengers disassembled, it's also post Civil War. You get to deal with the fallout of the the clone Thor from the Civil War story, where the real Thor finally has it out with Iron Man and just stomps the shit out of him in the middle of the run uh, because of what he did cloning Thor and that clone having killed uh, Black Goliath mm. in Civil War. Not super happy with Tony at the time. So he's kind of ostracized from the superhero community at large at this point. It's very much just like a very Thor centric run, like Asgardian centric run. Deal this with the fallout of Captain America having been killed at that point too. So it's got a lot nice little touches, like homages out to like the Trinity, like the, the real like trio of Avengers, like lead Avengers kind of thing. But and then wraps up with a nice like. Big fucking brawl with Doctor Doom. So, what more could you ask for from a a big six one six Thor story? <laughs> so, I think that's one I would go back to. Uh, I, I I like like I said, Thor is one of those like super like inaccessible to me. Like I find him very unapproachable as a comic book character a lot of the time, just because unless you turn him know. into a
0: total fucking joke, as yeah,
1: certain movies may have done, which we will
0: talk well, about in a
2: future
1: episode.
2: I don't know how I to say total fucking joke, but awesome fucking joke for sure. Well yeah. One one of the things I like about that run is that it takes a kind of an All-Star Superman approach to Thor, um, yeah. which is the same reason I like All-Star Superman so much is that it really humanizes the character and like puts him in a situation where they're forced to like examine his character instead of just they lean so heavily sometimes on the mythology of Thor, the same way they lean on the mythology of Superman that you lose Like what it's like to interact and how he would actually interact with real people. Yeah, and this is a really good example of how to do that right. And I yeah, yeah, totally agree with Mark's pick. So good.
1: It does end in kind of a weird, like haphazardy kind of way because, like Straczynski, I don't know, he like he finished it and then like left the finale kind of to the next creative team kind of thing. But they wrap it up fairly well, and it's still it's still like those the character moments of like him kind of rebuilding Asgard and going out and finding the, the now lost kind of Asgardian souls and bringing them back to like their true form and stuff like that's pretty, like it's really well done and well paced. And it's interesting to see that character like interact with the Marvel universe at large without having that, that filter of the Avengers kind of over him too like, mm-hmm. where you're just kind of directly just dealing with Thor's interactions with regular people and stuff like Paul said, um, without having him be like, the fourth or fifth guy through the fucking in the battle line kind of thing with the rest of the the big Avengers team. So,
2: nice. yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. Paul, your choice? recommendation. My choice, my choice recommendation is Kelly Sue DeConnick's uh re-vigorating run on Captain Marvel volume one from 2013, 2012, 2013. Yeah. The female. Um, Captain Marvel, is it not? It is. It is Carol Danvers. Mm -hmm. So Carol Danvers' character was revitalized a lot by Bendis uh, through the various Avengers stuff in the late 2000s. And she was still in her Miss Marvel persona with the the black bathing suit with the lightning bolt on it costume. Um, She was a big part of uh, the post- Avengers disassembled, kind of like
1: New Avengers, Mighty Avengers split. Like she was on the Mighty Avengers team with Tony at that point. So, yeah.
2: And they were playing her up a lot as like the kind of... The Wonder Woman of the universe, really, actually. Yeah, very much so. And the I think that Kelly Sue DeConnick, what she did um, to the, the character was just made her, again, superhumanized her and made her uh it, it, this is a kind of kind of an origin story but told in reverse where Miss Marvel has taken the mantle of Captain Marvel and she has taken on a new costume her power level has really soared and now she's kind of dealing with what it means to be Captain Marvel yeah and she gets to interact a lot with um She's uh, Carol Danvers was originally a fighter pilot so she deals a lot uh, with a lot of military stories and things like that but it also keeps flashing back to how she acquired the mantle of Captain Marvel and how she acquired her powers um and how she feels about it um, and as a character study um it really made me love that character a lot um cuz it, it at her Portrayal in mighty adventures had her being on the aggressive a lot. It seemed that she was kind of being made out to be the bitch of the team.
1: Well, it was, it was very much, it was very much like she was playing that warrior woman kind of wonder woman role Mm -hmm. to that team. I thought a lot of the time, which was like made sense for the character as a military person, but not like to that extent, like it got a
2: little over, like Ben just kind of went overboard with that a little bit. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and Deaconick with her particular portrayal really just made that character so believable to me and made me excited to see her become such a major character in the Marvel universe like from that point uh Marvel kind of saw the potential of Carol Danvers as a character and she just kind of started showing up in a lot more books a lot of avengers books she's uh she had captain marvel and the carol Corps. um so the current uh, success of that character and the reason that she's becoming the first solo female Marvel movie star is because of this particular comic book run and I yeah. it's fantastic. Uh, yeah the trade the trade was
1: 2014 and penciled by uh, David Lopez, who does it like actually an admirable job. He's a
2: spectacularly good penciler. I actually um, think that's the second number one. Uh, oh, is because it? There's the, the, yeah the, the the one that i'm talking about is called the pursuit of flight there were a captain marvel oh. relaunched again
1: oh right right oh, wait okay, marvel, you're right. You're right. marvel
0: did multiple relaunches in a short period of time okay that never happened okay yeah. okay dc
1: boy let's like <laughs> ease off here yeah what's what's has it been 10 years are we due for a crisis yet i think we're due for a crisis no, they, <laughs> they swore off crises at the end of
0: final crisis oh, okay
1: Sorry, uh, Rebirth. Yeah. I guess we're due for another yeah. Rebirth. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. there's no, there's nothing I love more than DC guys getting on Marvel's dick about fucking reboots. Jesus. Marvel has <laughs> yeah. been worse in the last, like, five years or so. Well, in the last five years, but historically, <laughs> yeah. I think it's Zero Hour, Tim. I think it's Zero Hour, buddy. I think it's over. I think we need to reboot again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not everything got rebooted on Zero Hour. A lot. I'm just but, busting yeah. your balls yeah yeah but marvel in the last few years everybody's been like oh wait how we've had like three or four renumberings and like oh it's been period. bad
1: yeah it's been really bad for renumberings yeah. and like and especially this slightly kind of like just off-brand like uncanny avengers as opposed to uncanny x-men yeah. kind of thing like doing that kind of weird mix of stuff i'm like okay, i feel like um, whatever
0: we're doing now. this now
1: yeah, yeah I, and Yeah, that's <laughs> probably part of the reason why i've kind of tuned out a little bit because i'm just like i'm just kind of over it mm-hmm. like I'm glad they've gotten to the point now where they are. Um, sorry, I'm probably totally cutting you off, but like, um, they're getting to back to that point where they're they're leaving those characters in place, like like the Riri's and all that kind of stuff, and like Miles Morales is still around, but like really bringing back like Logan's back, and I'm sure like this like Steve Rogers will take over the proper Captain America mantle again. Like like the real characters are starting to come back a little bit, so yeah, that's kind of yeah my anti Marvel tangent for this <laughs> week, I guess.
0: All right. All right. Well, I'm gonna interject here and uh, go with my first recommendation of the week. Going to the other side of the aisle, as I am wont to do.
1: And uh, really, you're gonna pick a DC book? Maybe I would. I would never assume. But
0: that. Mark, I feel like this is a DC book that you will have some support with me on, which is the triangle numbering era of Superman. The mid '90s Superman. You're, we're broadly going through arc here. You're like, this is like ten years of books. It is. Well, it's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bound this by like being, uh, like '91 to '98, which, granted, encompasses a lot of stuff. And but it was. There's a lot of. Shit. It is. So this is the era, and that that's, is, four
1: mo- that's four books a four month. That's four books a month. era. That's a lot. It, of it's scary. fifty-two bucks a wow. year.
0: Yeah, I mean this, yeah. and this is, and that's part of the reason I love it is because it's this crazy fucking experiment where essentially they had a weekly book that was done by four slash five different creative teams, and has never been editorially. I, I I can't think of any instance that has been editorially as tight as this on DC yeah. or
1: Marvel's side. Ever. Well, they, they tried it with Spider-Man, uh, with Amazing Spider-Man for a little while at Marvel, and it did not go very well at yeah, all. I, fe- I feel like it's very
0: much an exercise where like, so for those of our listeners that don't know, in the 90s to, well, basically the mostly entirely the 90s, there
1: were nineties the
0: yeah. four, uh, four different uh, Superman books. There was, there was uh, Superman, Adventures of Superman, Action Comics, and Superman Man of Steel. And then, on uh, what we in the comics business called skip weeks, there was Superman Man of Tomorrow. Uh, that yeah. between those five books covered 52 weeks out of the year. So every week there would be a different Superman book. And they're so loaded <laughs> right now. <laughs> Good night. They, they would uh, roll straight into each other. So the storylines would go, there would be certain storylines that would be sort of independent at, to the individual books but there were definitely overarching storylines that went between all of them. And to me, it's just like the editorial peak of comic book writing in particular. Uh, There were just so many amazing stories that got told between four to four slash five different books over that period. Overall edited by uh, legendary DC Comics editor, Mike Carlin, the books themselves, Superman was mostly headed up by uh, Dan Jurgens, who was the writer slash penciler, uh, Art Thebear, who was an inker, and then later on Brett Beeding, who was the inker. Yeah, I was gonna say Brett Beeding yeah. was in
1: there was his inker for a while.
0: Um, Action Comics was headed up by Roger Stern, who wrote, uh, was the writer. Uh, Jackson Geis was the penciler. Denson, uh, Dennis Dennis Rodio was the inker. Adventures of the Superman uh, was at sort of the start of this run, uh, written by
1: Jerry Ordway, again another just legend in comic books. Uh, Also, the guy who uh, I think that's the guy who drew the Superman that's on that cup you're using right now. Yeah, looks like about that era, I would say. Um, And uh,
0: drawn by Tom Grummet and uh, inked by uh, Doug Hazelwood and some others. And then later on, uh, one of Mark's favorite, Stuart Immoman, took over Adventures of Superman. Immoman? Immonen. Immonen, yeah uh it was a slurs <laughs> i think boys. <laughs> superman man of steel which was written by louis simonson and drawn by uh john Bogdanov and dennis janky in sort of the most cartoony yeah iteration of it and uh then you had the week uh quarterly book which was superman man of tomorrow which was written by again by roger stern and drawn by tom Grummett, uh and uh inked by brett breeding but this era like 90s Superman encompassed a lot of amazing storylines. Uh, you have the death and funeral and return of Superman for starters, which is the storyline that I'm sure I've said on the podcast before. Is the storyline like got me into comic books?
1: Yeah, like This is the storyline that brought me in too. Actually, oddly enough, as the big Batman guy on in on our podcast, the death and return of Superman was such like a multimedia or like like media yeah. event that I couldn't help but like notice it at that point. And kind of in a post Batman world, the comic book world making news headlines was what got me to actually pick up
2: books on a weekly basis. And I read all this shit like weekly. Paul, Paul can attest to it. Yeah. And your room was plastered in the four Superman posters. I even remember like the The reign of the Superman. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, I, I remember you were all about that for the longest time. I remember reading the, a uh, trade paperback of the death of Superman. I still have those, yep. the, those trades that I bought back. <laughs> That's one of the most like
0: rereadable stories that I have personally. Like I can go back and reread like that death of his death of Superman, uh, the funeral for a friend where they're very much like spending a lot of time sort of reminiscing in that, like, Hey, he's gone. What do we do now? This was this huge inspirational character. How do we deal with this going forward? Kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then you get to the point where he comes back in various forms and nobody knows like which one is the original. And I mean, at this point, like killing and resurrecting a Superman is tropey. But at that point, like early 90s, this was huge, right? Nobody had ever done yeah. this before.
1: Nobody had ever killed off a major character. So everybody was like, well, not not to, not to the point where it wasn't like just brought back almost immediately. Yeah. This is very much like we're going to tell a story about the death and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it's really funny that like, you've have you, you've heard probably heard the backstory to it, where like they were like, "Oh, we want to we want to marry him to yep. Lois," but they were like stall because of the TV yeah. show. They're like, "Fuck it, kill him, yeah. man!" So <laughs> like it's just, it was totally like on a whim, and then like just benefited from having the slowest news cycle ever that week, <laughs> and then killing Superman. That. Got everybody up in arms yeah exactly which just like oddly mirrored by like what marvel did with captain america at civil war point like at the end of civil war where they killed him and like for like, some reason it just like, 15 years later. struck a nerve yeah like <laughs> struck a nerve with everybody and everybody started freaking oh out. my it god goes, the, the spirit
0: man, a- of america yeah. is dead
2: yeah. oh.
1: and then in 2016 it would die again so uh, there you go oh god i need a drink again maybe we should slow down
0: (laughs) but i mean this this run encompassed uh the nice thing about this run is it encompassed a lot of milestones uh so superman 75 was where superman actually died but uh superman 500 which is a massive fucking milestone for any comic book to reach 500 issues or it was adventures of superman nor 500 was the return of superman where he returned and essentially five different iterations none of which ended up actually being the actual superman but all of them had a lot of legs on their own like one of them was steel one of them was the superboy that would then last a good fucking 20 years after that one of them was uh the eradicator which had a lot of yeah one of them was cyborg which would end up being one of the best fucking superman villains in the next like 20 years kind of thing
1: so still is arguably one of the best superman villains ever yeah actually
0: yeah absolutely so i mean this storyline particular spawned so many great storylines to come on uh to come kind of thing and i mean doomsday is a villain as well is just this sort of elemental force that unstoppable unreasonable kind of villain that is the perfect sort of foil to superman's like i'm a moral character kind of thing you know don't want to kill anybody but i will if i absolutely have to and there's no other avenue kind of thing yep um but in the same run you also had stuff like the dead again storyline which came after basically after superman had returned and brainiac was fucking with him and being like no superman
1: is still dead and oh i remember was- that yeah. I remember that run. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was right before they did the uh, the electric Superman, wasn't it? Or was that after? That was, uh,
0: it was all like within three or four years of each other. But yeah. in the same stretch, you have that. You have the death of Clark Kent, which was another milestone uh, issue. It was the uh, Superman number 100. Right. Yeah. And where basically uh, one of Superman or Clark Kent's childhood friends basically decimated the Clark Kent profile. So. He was essentially a Superman without a uh, secret identity, without a secret identity, and the nice one of the interesting things about Superman for me has always been that he more identifies with his human identity than he does with the superhero identity. Yeah, um, and that he is feels more human than he does. Like basically, Superman is the mask that he puts on, rather than Clark Kent being the mask that he puts on. Whereas if you look at a character like. Batman he's like no I'm mostly Batman. Bruce
1: Wayne well, is just a mask that I
0: wear kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well that's what he calls himself in his head. Like yeah. in, at least in my version of Batman he 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 is Batman and then I'm Batman. That yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would li- I'm the goddamn Batman. I'm the is goddamn Batman. my honorable mentions.
0: I honestly, <laughs> oh, oh all star Batman. Batman. I, I,
1: I, I honestly want to do a bonus episode where we all reread that and just like talk about all star Batman. Batman. <laughs> I think <laughs> it'd be a fun like we do a half an episode about all like we do we do both all star series right we do all star Batman all-star and all star Superman. Superman so that yeah. we can glowingly yeah. review yeah. all star Superman and just shit all all star Batman all star Batman. All-star Batman. <laughs> <laughs> But on top the of mean that, that, keeps on yeah. <laughs> this
0: oh, also has a really interesting storyline, uh, which is the Fall Metropolis, which is a clone, basically a degenerated clone of Lex Luthor, which is Action Comics number, number 700, which is, again, the massive fucking milestone for any comic series to reach where Lex Luthor has sort of a doomsday protocol where... If he dies, the entirety of Metropolis goes down with him.
1: Oh, yeah. I, remember, I Man, I'm having flashbacks to all these stories. Like, I remember yeah. all this stuff.
0: Yeah. And to sort of finish off this era, sort of the what I would say sort of marks the end of this era of Superman is Clark and Lois's uh, wedding, yeah. which is a beautiful special and something that has had a lasting, lasting effect on comics as a whole.
1: Ah, agreed and like that was like when a lot of those characters started to get, uh, marry off and stuff like that which they retcon out of and then back into uh
0: except a, for superman
1: well i mean they new 52 they retconned it they out did. so that they could get away with get away from it and then and then, and then they realized what a fucking mistake they'd made yeah because superman okay. should be a dad yeah. like he is he's comic book dad that's what his character yeah. should be like, <laughs> absolutely so whatever so yeah. I know this run. Yeah, this is one of those runs that like I like I read most of I probably there's there's a point about halfway through like probably in the electric Superman era where I'm like, I'm much more interested in the fact that they finally brought <laughs> Bruce Wayne back and he's wearing an all black costume and that's much more badass. And that was probably around the time where they were starting to do like No Man's Land and Cataclysm and stuff like that was happening in the Bat Books, which was yeah, much more my kind of style of story than like, yeah. Superman is now electric and split the two. And this is silver agey weirdness that I'm not into. So <laughs> I have a
0: soft spot for the like electric Superman era in part the, the justice league, uh, series like the, was it Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison and, and Howard, Howard Porter? Yeah. Uh, which I think we talked about on our last sort of comic centric episode. Best justice league run ever. But that's the thing is of- that, that that's one of the things I love seeing Superman put into a foreign element, yeah. like where the character itself shines through even without the powers. Yeah. Like you have this character that's been saddled with a completely different power set than he's used to, but he's still able to sort of shine through in his morals and his overall spirit. Yeah, the just kind of runs yeah. through it. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Alright, I've gushed long enough about Star Wars, so let's go back to... Star Wars?
1: You're We're- really plastered, eh? Let's go
0: back- <laughs> we talked a lot about Star Wars this episode. I, re- I really I wish she was here. Superman. She would totally love to see you this drunk again. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a week, folks. That
1: cocktail really stuck up on you, eh?
0: Yeah, it did. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky Superman. Let's All go right. back to Mark,
1: another series that you would highly recommend. Um, (laughs) I'll try and keep this short because Tim just went on for half an hour. (laughs) I'm I'm on the same. I'm going to stay on the same side of the street for this one. I have a. I I was looking back at, and actually, it's funny that we're just talking about Grant Morrison because my recommendation is kind of like go back and read the post Batman, RIP Dick Grayson, Mm. Batman. There was a lot of stuff that Grant Morrison eventually did when he brings Bruce back that is a little bit fucking out there, kind of Silver Age bizarre stuff. But I think his version of Batman that was Dick Grayson and uh, Damian Wayne as yeah. Robin is one of the, the best Batman and Robin series. Yeah. Was one of the best Batman runs like of all time. I honestly believe that like he actually just nailed the way that character dynamic should work in such a really weird way. And also, <laughs> and I was, and I, this is art me talking. It's he, he brings his buddy Frank quietly along
2: and mm-hmm.
1: I have a real reservation. Squishy. squishy face, squishy faces. <laughs> um, I have real problems with Frank Whiteley's style being in mainstream comics. Like, it's one of the things that about All Star Superman that bugs me the most is that I feel like if they could have had it penciled by a more like a Brian Hitch or somebody who had a more kind of like cinematic style, it mm-hmm. would have worked a little bit better for me. That being
0: said, the end of that series with like the grown-up yeah. baby version of Damien could
1: not have worked with anybody but Frank Whiteley. True, and that's what I what I I think this is like the the one time where Frank Whiteley works for me because the way he draws like the, the horror end, show come on, of that that end uh, All Star Superman. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, like his stuff is good, but I just I, I don't know the way he draws faces bugs me, and yeah. the only time it doesn't bother bugs me is me. in here where he's drawing all the gruesome criminals of Gotham, I think it works perfectly on a Batman book because they're all these like misshapen freaks and mm-hmm. that's what he draws naturally. Like his his Professor Pig was amazing. Exa- well, they created Pref- Professor Pig, so like, yeah. it makes sense that he's designed around his strengths, right? Yeah. Um but no, I I just like the uh like the the flip and dichotomy between having like it's usually Bruce who's the brooding guy and like Robin who's kind of the light, whereas like in this one, it's like Dick's a much more lighthearted character overall and it, lo- it lets him play off Damien who's like a little psycho like killer guy and also a giant pain in the ass and my least favorite Robin, but that's totally neither here nor there because <laughs> I've, like I've never liked Robin as like a concept on the whole, but like the characters in their post-Robin incarnations are always way more interesting to me than they ever are when they're wearing that stupid outfit. Because like I, Dick Grayson's probably my arguably my second favorite DC character. Like I love Nightwing, and it's one of those books that I will kind of look back at when I hear something cool is happening in it. Like when they did that Dick Grayson Secret Agent run a couple years back, mm-hmm. I hopped into that really Grayson. quickly because Grayson, yeah, yeah, like that was super interesting. But yeah, no, I always I like I like the Robins kind of after their Robin more than I like them as Robin most of the time. Because even like Jason Todd as the Red Hood now like resurrected and. Quasi evil is way more interesting to me than he ever was as Robin. And Tim Drake, too. Like he's way cooler in his kind of red robin yeah. post Robin incarnation than, right. yeah, than he ever was as Robin. And he was probably my favorite Robin. Like he was the most well developed of the bunch of them as Robin, because he had that cool series that was it Chuck Dixon that wrote that? That went on for like uh, a third number Yeah. kind of around Nightfall, post-nightfall. But yeah, like this is and it's also like it's Morrison just doing really cool Batman stories before he gets into like really insane Batman stories post RIP. (laughs) Like when Bruce comes back, everything kind of goes off the rails and Batman incorporated and all that stuff's a little, well, like the, the Batman of Zen Zura or Zen or whatever it is. Zuren R. Zuran R. Sorry. I can't remember how to pronounce, but like that one, (laughs) I'm like, that's a little silver age kind of loopy for my taste. Whereas I feel like when it's just him and Dick, like, sorry, him writing the Dick and Damien. Jesus Christ! I gotta Him stop saying that. Him and Dick. Him and Dick. <laughs> <sighs> Are we done. This episode's done. Right. <laughs> Either way, go track down the Dick Grayson Batman and Robin uh, Grant Morrison run. It's <laughs> probably the best Batman run that's happened. And I, I, I hear Thomas King's doing good work right now on Batman. But like, I think it's one of the Tom better. Tom
0: has been pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and like obviously Zach or um, Scott Snyder and. Greg Capullo's Batman run was like legendary at this point and it will probably be like the de facto Batman story for the next 10 or 15 years but Mm -hmm. it may be even further than that but I think this this was a good kind of transitional run into that into the new 52 kind of thing so yeah it's one I go back to fairly regularly just because I like that more lighthearted not having Bruce in the cowl and having like Grayson do that role kind of thing was interesting
0: all right uh, Paul, do you have another series that you would strongly recommend or run?
2: Yeah, um, I would strongly recommend, uh, the, uh, Miss Marvel relaunch with Kamala Khan written by G Willow Wilson. Miss Marvel, uh, was kind of part of the Marvel initiative to have a lot more diverse, uh, comic book characters and Marvel Kamala- now Marvel now and Kamala Khan is kind of the best example of how to do that properly um because that book was fun as hell Miles Morales would be up there but he was more of the a uh, separate universe for a while and Kamala Khan was right in the 616 from the beginning uh but you also have Amadeus Cho uh as the Hulk and Riri Williams as Iron Iron Man, Man? I yeah yeah so but Miss Marvel as a hero, she is starts off as a fangirl, and then her powers get activated by Terrigen mists. She's like really into the, the- only inhuman
1: that ever works.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, if a case is to be made for the inhumans, then the only one is Kamala Khan, basically, because she her book is just a joy to read. It never gets bogged down and too much negativity. And the writer of this book, G. Willow Wilson, is fantastic. She had previously done a Vertigo book called Air, which is about a, a flight attendant who accidentally gets embroiled in this major terrorist scheme, and it's something else I would recommend. So coming off of the success of that, they uh, she was asked to do this book where Kamala Khan, who is a Pakistani Muslim, as well as has inhuman jeans uh get and is a huge like fanfic writer fangirl uh yeah. gets turned into a superhero and her the optimism and the just her plucky spirit make for a really fun read in almost every single issue she's just like a really endearing character her power set is really fun because she's she's a stretcher grower kind of like Mr fantastic she's got like um she's almost got like super scroll powers in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's it makes for some really funny uh, situations. It's also the best book about a teenage superhero since Ultimate Spider-Man. I think, like, if you're thinking um, Ultimate Spider-Man, but, you know, girl, and especially uh, a, an especially unique take because uh, she is Muslim, very, very cool. She also, uh, she's on one of the Avengers teams.
1: I'm not sure if she is right now, but, like, I was just reading... In my kind of following Miles Morales into the six one six, yeah, she ended up on like what is kind. Of, it's not they didn't call it Young Avengers, but it's kind of like a Young Avengers team along with Avengers. the. Uh, it was the
2: all new, the all new, all, all new, different Avengers, all new,
1: all yeah. different Avengers. Where it's it's Tony, like Iron Man's there, but it's also Miles Morales, Spider Man, the new Nova, uh, the Samuel Alexander Nova. I think is is it Sam Alexander? Mm. Yeah, Sam Alexander Nova is part of that team along with the Miss Marvel and. A couple other characters that I'd have to look up right now. Um oh the the uh the Jane Foster Thor is in yeah. that on that team as well. So yeah, it's a and, lot of
2: like the legacy the characters Vision,
1: being Avengers. Yeah. Yeah
2: visions in there too yeah. Yeah so um she's actually become a really popular character and has been since her launch has been picked up in various different books and has guested all over the place. I recommend it just because she's great and fun and she's the, the book is a little has a little bit of the teen drama that you'd expect from an early Spider-Man book. Uh, but it it gets serious, but it still maintains its sense of fun throughout. So, yeah, definitely would recommend this one.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So I, I I followed her kind of tangentially just because she was in that Avengers team that had Miles on it and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. and I liked her interactions with like the the, the trio of her Miles and the Sam, the Sam Alexander uh, Nova, mm-hmm. was kind of a fun little like grouping. I think they eventually also added X twenty three like Wolverine, well, yeah, the I think... wolf, well, whatever that is now. Because I know Logan's back, so it's hard to say. But I think Laura's <laughs> part of that team, like part of that group too. So
2: yeah, it was yeah. fun little run. Yeah, fun fun run. Go go check out G Willow Wilson stuff, and she's also got a really great Twitter presence too because she's a big advocate for. Um, positive representations in media, especially for uh, Muslim women. So, yeah, good stuff.
0: Nice. All right. Well, I will maybe end us off because we're running a little long at this point and recommend two sort of series that go hand in hand. And I'll go probably closest to indie weirdo comics that I normally go, which is still DC, but it's the New 52 Animal Man and Swamp Thing series.
1: Oh, so fucking good. That Animal Man. Yeah. Oh, I love that book. That so book the, New 50, the New fifty,
0: 52 Animal Man was written by uh, Jeff Lemire and drawn by Travel Foreman and Dan Green. Yeah. And then the uh, Swamp Thing book was written by Charles Sewell and drawn by uh, Yannick Paquette. And both of those just beautiful, like weirdo fucking sort of. Offbeat horror kind of very
1: vertigo, even in the mainstream kind yeah, of stuff. Absolutely. They also Yannick Paquette, nice fucking guy, good guy. Yeah, I've never, him a couple times. Met. Nice. No, yeah, he's a really nice guy.
0: But both of those books uh, sort of went hand in hand to really uh, sort of expand the uh, sort of I don't know, the the elemental un the elemental side of the DC universe. Uh, so the, the animal man book sort of introduced the idea of, so, I mean, long had we had this idea of animal man that could connect to any animal and manifest its powers kind of thing. But here we really start to get into this idea of, uh, an elemental sort of underlying unseen magical mystical universe around that, uh, called the red, uh, which was, Sort of uh, spinning off of the Swamp Thing's idea of the green, which is all of the plant life on yeah. Earth, kind of thing, in a sort of unified consciousness, kind of yeah, network kind of thing where they all speak to each other. And so the the idea of the the Animal Man series added this idea of the red, where you had these sort of conflicting uh, elemental forces. You had essentially the red, which was all of the animals, uh, all basically anything that was pumping blood, like
1: yeah, it was blood, right? Yeah,
0: exact, exactly. So you had like any uh, mammals or even reptiles and stuff like that, all part of that. And then you also had the green, which is all the plant life. And then they also introduced the idea of the gray, which was all of the fungal life, uh, fungal and like molds and stuff like that, uh, kind of thing. And then uh, the black which is essentially the rot and the uh, uh, decay of of earth so but and and just experiencing sort of this underlying battle between all these different forces was really really cool and so yeah and cut short
1: too like they they, they yeah, didn't get a chance to ex- expound upon it as much as i would have liked like it felt especially... like it was
0: building to something really big yeah. and then it did kind of get cut short that, that being said it did have a chance to explore a lot of really
1: cool yeah. sort of all expanding stories i've never really read the swamp thing side of those books i'll like, oh, probably yeah. i'll have to go back and They're look really at cool. them now um, really good but that that animal man run is i mean animal man's had two really definitive runs because there's a grant, grant morrison, morrison run mid 90s good. which was the vertigo run yeah which is the vertigo run and then like this run i remember when they launched new 52 this is one of the first new 52 books that launched and got a lot of like kind of like that left field buzz where yeah. like everybody was like oh this is all this cool stuff that's happening but like also you should look at animal man because mm-hmm. it is weird as fuck it's really out there cool. but it's fucking awesome well, it was a good book like yeah. I got I'm going to reread that I think I'm going to put that on my list and grab it and reread it because yeah I, I remember like really enjoying the shit out of that and I'll probably read the swamp thing at the same time just so I can yeah get the whole scope. Well, the of thing it. is that they
0: had some storylines that went back and forth kind of thing and the really interesting thing with animal man too is he's a he's got this weird family man vibe too yeah which is really rare in comics in in superhero comics in general but in DC yeah. in particular where like he's got this long-standing marriage that he's trying to sort of integrate with his superhero life. And he's also got two kids that get yeah. very heavily uh, integrated into this storyline where like one of them gets really involved in the green. One of them gets really involved in the red um, and sort of how they, how these children basically deal with being part of these elemental forces is really powerful as well. Um, so yeah, those two series together the new fifty two animal man and the uh new fifty two swamp thing are both really strong series cool, despite my slurring yeah well, <laughs> we got through it we're good to go <laughs> but uh with that we're we're getting pretty long in the two folks, so let's uh maybe close out with any series in particular that you guys are really looking forward to, so something that's Advertised but not out yet, where you've just got a super fucking hard on for. Uh, Mark, we haven't heard from, you, or Paul, we haven't heard from you in a bit. Let's let's see anything you're really
2: excited for. Um, I've been so out of the loop that I'm really not sure. Um, that that Batman Who Laughs thing that you were talking about actually makes me very interested. Um, yeah, that number one is coming out soon. I was just looking up uh, upcoming releases. It's just uh, a one shot. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah. Th- I like standalone stories uh and single character kind of ideas like mm-hmm. way out there ideas like that that sounds like fun but like i i've honestly i'm a, the kind of person who follows particular writers um so i've been so out of the loop on western comic book writers um that mostly i'm just looking forward to certain manga series starting again after they've been on hiatus <laughs> forever so <laughs> uh, my recommendations on this or um, my hype is a little bit skewed towards that. Fair enough. Mark,
0: anything you are particularly
1: excited for? We're coming up on the end of Invincible
2: very shortly. um I'm
1: not sure mm-hmm. how many issues are left. I've been kind of. Let's see, Robert as soon as, Kirkman, right? Yeah. As soon as Robert Kirkman uh, announced that he was going to end it, I stopped reading it monthly so that I could just like binge it all at once. Just binge it all in one shot. So I think in the it's I'm not sure if it's in it's got to be in the next six or so months uh, Invincible will end and that is just like very very fucking exciting that has been one of my favorite comics like pretty much ever so it'll be like I'm just waiting with bated breath to be able to get to okay so there it is so in August 2016 Robert Kirkman announced that the series would end late 2017 with issue 144 Um, so that's got to be coming up shortly Cause we're getting towards the end of 2017. So yeah, like that, that's what I'm looking forward to is getting the chance, like having that finish and then being able to go and like, just get into that finally. Cause I think I left off somewhere in like the one thirties or something like that just before Ryan Otley came back on pencils on that book. And I've loved invincible since issue one. it has been a book that I read monthly and stuff like that. Uh, I may even have the first like 20 or 30 issues of it before I kind of stopped collecting on a regular basis. And I think like, I've always, like, it's it's number one on my comicsology pull, like, when I go back to, like, reading on a regular basis. So I'm really excited to, like, get into Invincible and finish that series out. I'm sad it's ending because it's such a good book, but, like, the fact that they're going to get to, like, that definitive, Robert Kirkman did, wrote 144 issues of it and, like, knocked it out of the park and did mm-hmm. it all himself, is amazing, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you guys haven't read Invincible, well, first of all, if you're a comic book fan, you're fucking up, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's on you but just go out and like pick it up because it'll be it'll be worth the weekend you spend with those books so
0: nice all right well to finish off with me i am uh pretty fucking excited for dc's upcoming mini doomsday clock oh. uh yeah, which is essentially going to sort of merge the dc universe with the uh alan moore watchman universe so there's gonna bring those characters sort of full on into the DC universe which has been teased for a long time now uh but wow, fuck it's been going on for like 5 years they've been teasing all yeah. this shit out two or three years yeah since since rebirth sort of hit which was yeah. like last year but yeah in particular i mean it's essentially a mini series that the sort of vehicle character for the DC fans is going to be superman and it's also but it's also going to be like a mature audience series so i'm pretty fucking pumped to have a superman like mature
1: audience book to read that's a weird that's a weird like uh usually don't see that kind of thing
0: but i mean he's he's the one that always deals with those like really massive cosmic threats kind of thing and it's almost definitely gonna feature dr manhattan really heavily and the only person in dc that could really go toe-to-toe with dr manhattan would be superman so it yeah. really does make sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm super fucking pumped for that. And that is literally like next, like it's this month. It's November. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been, se- I've been seeing
1: solicits for that coming
0: up in the next couple of weeks. weeks. Yeah. So. so that'll be coming up really soon. So we'll see how that goes. And I mean, DC has always been sort of at a negative in terms of people assuming what they're going to do with merging these two universes together uh they were fighting an uphill battle to be sure so we'll see if they actually do it well or not but uh i'm
1: i'm super pumped to see how they deal with that
0: cool all right (laughs)
1: sounds good all right yeah no i'm I'm, uh you have to let me know if it's good or not because i'm i'm curious i want to i want to i want to know what's going on i'm not sure if i want to go and like dive into reading uh a big dc series at this point so yeah
0: all right. Well, with that, let's uh, let's move the fuck on because we have been very long in the tooth this episode. We'll see how it edits down, but it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting day tomorrow. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> for Mark, our editing guru. Uh, but yeah. thanks so much for listening, folks. Uh, we appreciate your listenership. If you are not already subscribed, you can subscribe to us on uh, Apple or G Google Play Store or. <laughs> do you want
1: me to fucking do this? Are you okay? I'm okay.
0: <laughs> or <laughs> Shout Engine or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, you can also email us at DanceRobotDancePodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us at twitter at drd underscore podcast you can also get in touch with us on facebook which is the sort of chosen route for people getting in touch with us which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast mark is that to your satisfaction
2: yes fucking
0: yeah. awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man you need to get drunk on these episodes more often this is fun <laughs> rambling ramblings him as best, Tim. It's been a a week, folks. Yeah, Uh, tell me about it. All right, well,
0: with that, thank you very much, Paul, for joining us all the way from North Korea, even though you fucking took your sweet-ass time.
1: South Korea? He's in South Korea, Tim.
0: No, he's totally (laughs) in North
2: Korea. He's He's reporting from a labor camp in North Korea for my... (laughs) (laughs) From the demilitarized
0: zone, we have Paul with us. Good night, everybody. And Mark. Good night, guys. And myself, Tim. And thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next time. Good night. Baby. Baby. (laughs)